When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gloved finger. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. What is going on? Welcome to Knife Talk. Podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers, you know, all you little bastards out there. It's me, Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. I'm here with Mareko Momasi, and thank God, Craig Lockwood's back. Jesus, H. Christ. Good, <laughs> good. Hi, guys, and Craig, thanks for coming back. I go away for one week, and it all goes to shit. Total. All goes to Total. shit. Oh, what happened? What do you mean, what happened? <laughs> go ahead. It, it was a it was a great show. So yeah, you had Josh on last week. Um, a great show, uh, but the audio, geez, it sucked. It really sucked. It was fucking audio. terrible. Uh, and I take full responsibility. You know why? Because I pressed record. I should have. I should have not pressed record. I should have done something about it. And I take full responsibility. What can good, you do? It fucking good, sucked. Good. I mean, this is the this is this is the pro- trust me. Nobody's more upset about it because I was also on the full blast podcast. I had my college roommate Jamie he's in a big old room echoing and you could hear the fucking ice cream truck behind him and he's tapping the table and grabbing on those things and he, at one point he's playing with a zipper I said what are you doing so the funny thing is is people constantly say to us you gotta have this guy on you gotta have this guy on there there's not been one podcast we've done where we've interviewed someone where the audio has been good mm. it, it is always down to the audio and it is a lot harder than people think. People just think that we just right. open up our computers and press record. But a lot goes into it. A, you know, a lot really does. And I think when we have people, um, you know, guests, and, you know, we send them a link and they, and they do all the rest. Um, I don't, you know, not everybody considers, you know, the environment they're in. And, you know, we, we, you know, we all, the three of us have chosen a special place to record in because, you know, after, you know, plenty of tests and plenty of shows, we now know what works for us. So, yeah, it can be difficult getting get guests and getting their audio to match ours. So, yeah. But also, but, um, it, it's also, we've had a lot of dingers that the audio sounds terrible. Like the first one where Mareko and I were in my shop and we were all sharing one microphone with you, <laughs> that fucking thing was terrible. And, you know, we've also had... Yeah, you open soda cans, you little bastard. That was what... <laughs> you fucker. You son of a bitch. You fucking guy. Listen, th- there's a lot of other things. I remember when we interviewed. Oh, he's got chips. <laughs> what? Are you, what is going on? What are you doing? We had Cheetos and beer. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had Jared Thatcher on once, and I remember when Mareko and I had Jared Thatcher on. Oh yeah. And 
I was in the closet with surrounded by clothing. And then, oh, all right, not sexually. No, okay, okay. All right, easy then does we'll it. Easy does it, Junior. And all of a sudden, you hear this sound. Jared's on the. He's, I said, well, John, "Jared, where are you?" He's like, "I'm in a Starbucks." They were. You could hear them making lattes in the background. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. I said, "Dude, you got to do better than this. This is going to be Craig's and kill us." And then he goes into his car, and then the microphone is rubbing up against his goddamn beard. But people don't realize that, you know, and it's mm. not their fault. But it's yeah. like I mean, I listen to so many podcasts. Like every time I'm driving, it's generally a podcast instead of the radio and so on. And if the, if the audio's bad, they're just unlistenable to me. You know, I, it, it's just it's just not good. I enough, so. had that message. <laughs> you need to pull your socks up, boys. <laughs> I had that message. <laughs> I had that message on the Full Blast podcast. Somebody wrote the audio was so bad. I had to skip this rest. I had to skip this episode, and, I, and I'm you know I was. It's too bad. And I said, you know what? You're right. It sucked. And it's not Josh's fault. I mean, he just. Oh, not at all. You know, no, he, no. I mean, he did sound better on the Toby Knife and Steel podcast, which I wanted to let him know. How come he don't sound as good as he did on his podcast? But fine. <laughs> no, Josh is great. And, and I, I feel terrible for I feel terrible that the audio wasn't good. And I take full responsibility. And and from now on, I'm just going to, you know, do, in a situation like that again. I'm just gonna pull an, uh, pull a. Uh, I'm just gonna fucking say, all right, we're gonna reschedule you, and then we'll just we'll just reschedule them. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I I never get thrown off by poor audio. Like, really? I, oh, yeah, God. never. To me, it's like just listening, like I'm talking to somebody on the phone or something like that. Like it doesn't. Did, did it doesn't you hear me, me just tap out the last 45 minutes of the last episode? I was pulling my fucking hair to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to let them finish the, finish the I tapped out the last 45 oh, minutes not, of the last episode. You couldn't it hear me? It drove me crazy. Oh, I could hear you, but I was like, okay. my eyeballs were pulling. I was trying to pull my eyeballs out of my head, and I was fucking pissed. Were you using plungers? I was just, it just went Looney Tunes on you. you never seen those Looney Tunes where they use plungers to pull out eyeballs? Yeah, no, no. I, I, okay. I'm, I'm, waiting to, I'm waiting for you to keep going. Just, no, <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah. And the funny thing, well, the worst part was I was on a deadline because I had a customer coming, and I said, all right, guys, oh, we got to, yeah. you know, I got to. And the fucking guy was an hour late. So it was just oh. like I could have. <laughs> telling you, man. Uh Time's not important. But it's all good. It's all Fine. good. It's been, it's been two weeks since I've chatted to you yeah. both anyway. So what's been going on? What's, what have you been up to? Well, go ahead. It, we, we had Father's Day. I think all four, all, three, all four of us, all three of us had Father's Day. Uh, hmm. Father's Day has always been a weird one for me um, because I never really had a very good father figure. And my biological father was literally a piece of shit. But in these last few years, I have a son now. And he's great, and I love spending time with him. And so we went down, and uh, there's a beautiful uh, kind of like wildlife walking trail area uh, near us. We went down, and we hung out uh, <laughs> down by the river, and he played in the sand, and we skipped rocks. And oh, nice. It was really sweet. And we brought uh, – it's, it's a beautiful sandbar, but there's no cover. So we brought a little tent just to help uh, give us a little shade. Um, it made it easier to kind of hang out. And so uh, my wife, son, and I went and hung out, and we had a good time. Nice. And, yeah, it was good. And nice. uh, I did all the cooking all day long, which is fine because uh, uh, I – Which I'm, is fine. It, it sounds like it's not fine. No, no. He's like, well, which, which is fine. <laughs> no, it, it is. sounds like something <laughs> I would say. Fine. <laughs> fine. People break my balls. That's all I say is fine. Go ahead. It was fine. No, it's, it's good because I want, you know, I want to eat good food. 
and so I'll be well, the one that, that does a, the cooking. Well, that was a one well, three. Your wife wanted hey, the bus on that one. No, Happy no. Father's no. Day, I would she eat would, my food. She would one hundred percent agree. She's like, no. <laughs> I'm so um, and then yeah. Otherwise, in the shop wise, I've just been working on that stainless knife, knife taking it uh, slow and steady. Um, it's it's a stainless damascus steel knife that I forged out, and uh, I just do not want to have to start over on it. So I've just kind of been taking my time, um, but. I really need to start kind of gassing it up and getting it going, getting out of here so we can get paid for it and move on. Um, mm -hmm. So hopefully that's happening in the next week. Otherwise, that's it. That's Craig, it. where that's have you been? Cool. Yeah. Well, my father's day was very different. So I took an emergency trip to the UK. So it was a 17-hour oh. drive um, to stay for one night, like self-isolating whilst in the UK, then driving straight back. Uh, so yeah, my, my father's day was, was a lot, uh, a lot different. Lots of podcasts in the car, uh, lots of crisps. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, a strange one. So my brother has come back to, back to France with me. So that was the purpose of me going back. Um, unfortunately he'd, be, he'd been, well, it's a long story. He thought he'd been laid off. He'd been told he'd been laid off. Um, what he does, he builds sets for, um, theaters and right. TV shows, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and obviously theatres, they're just not booking at the moment. They generally book three, four years in advance anyway. Right. Everything's been cancelled and nobody's booking for, for, the, for the future. So his company laid a bunch of people off, um, and including him. Um, so, he, you know, he, he had nothing to do. Um, we got plenty to do here. You know, he's pretty handy with his hands. So we thought, well, I'll go and pick you up. You come here and we'll, we'll have you working for us for free. <laughs> Is he still there? <laughs> He, well, he is, but um, on Wednesday, um, he had an email from from the company he works for saying um, they want him back. Wow. So, so yeah, oh, wow. so now he's got to fly back. So he's flying back again this God, week why now. Why don't you get him on the podcast? Oh, I know we should do, shouldn't we? He, he's out shopping oh. at the moment, but we should, but we should do. We should yeah, well, do. too bad. Fine. Um, but yeah, so, so you know, it's a good thing that, you know, he's going back to work. Um but but uh, yeah, it just means that you know the, the whole stuff we had planned with him over here, you know, we won't be doing. So, well, so we've spent this this week, you know, having a bit of. It's been hot. It's been like forty two degrees C, and uh, just in a quick calculation, that's like one hundred five, one hundred six. Oh Holy it's shit! It's been super hot. So we've been making most of it. So we've been we've been fishing, and like just today we've been out canoeing and so on. So uh, yeah, it's been lovely. But he's been teaching me a bit of um, Fusion three hundred and sixty. Um, something oh, wow. that I've been wanting to do for so long, and it's something that he uses AutoCAD and Fusion 360 is a like a, a CAD program, you know, a computer aided design for, but you can design stuff, um, but in in complete 3D. So you know, a lot of people use things like Illustrator and things like that to you know do their 2D files or nice printers we've all used now. Right. Um, but um, Fusion 360 is becoming a bit of a standard for for 3D stuff, and you can. You can prototype stuff and get it moving and stuff. So we were thinking, what well, you know, what could we build? The uh, folding knife is, is is what we've been doing. So I think, um, you know, I, I've talked recently about um, wanting to do a camp knife. So I think I'm going to do a camp knife and I'm going to do a folding knife too. Nice. It's something that I'll, I'll use myself. But Fusion cool. is brilliant. It lets you do all this stuff and prototype it and you can even the mechanisms, you can get them moving and so on. It's, it's really good. So I, I, I've, you know, delve really deep into that. And, and actually just this morning I bought a course from um, Bob who does uh, the YouTube I Like to Make Stuff channel. 
Um, he does the Making It Making It podcast with Jimmy Durasta too. Um, he's he's actually recorded a full course on on using Fusion three hundred and sixty, oh, um, cool. and it, you know I, I think it's like eighteen hours or something like that. Oh. So I, I bought that this morning as well. So I'm going to spend I'm going to spend this week going through that a bit as well. And I think yeah, it's it's a good skill to have. Um, I've bought a new tool, which I think that it'll help with as well. So I've, I've finally pressed go on a on a uh, laser, a fiber laser, so I can do my own engravings. Nice. Um, I talked in the past that that's that's been my uh, my Achilles heel for so long. The thing that takes ages, sending them out, waiting for them to come back to me, you know, just to put logos on and you know, all that kind of stuff. So I thought, well, rather than outsourcing it, it's you know it's costly, but I thought at least I've got full control over everything I do then. Um, so yeah, I've 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 pressed go on on an order for that. So it's it's coming from China, so it'll it'll take a little while. Um, I think it's saying ten days. Um, but I'll be able to, yeah, put, put put logos on and you know do some funky. De- I've got some ideas for some sort of ideas uh, for designs on blades as well. Yeah. So yeah, really looking forward to that coming. Um, and yeah, Fusion Three Sixty is going to help with that as well, with regards to uh, the design work and all that kind of thing that goes into the uh, the lasering. Are you going to quarantine the package when it shows up? <sighs> Or wipe it down with some acetone. That's exactly what I'm going to wipe it down, and I'll be using it within minutes of it arriving through the door. That's that's the sad truth. Um, Yeah, the new French epicenter is fucking the doidoins or wherever the hell you live. (laughs) The doidoins. Yeah, there's been no cases around here at all. Um, Well, no deaths, rather I should say. That there's been there's been I think four or five cases within sort of fifty kilometers of me, Um, but but no deaths. Um, and it, do you know, while I went back to the UK, so I was there for what, 48 hours all in and, you know, just driving through and, you know, I had to pick up some supplies because, you know, self-isolated when I was there and, you know, you're masked up and you queues outside the supermarkets to get in because they're limiting the amount of people in. So the UK have, they, they've got so many systems to stop people, you know, to stop the spread of this virus, but nobody gives a fuck. Oh, People wow. just whipping their masks off and they're, you know, shaking hands and they're chatting. You go, once you get into the supermarket, you're meant to go one way. Everybody's all over the place going exactly. They're pushing past you. And I'm like, whoa, easy. But like here in France, we've got no such systems. They're pretty much saying, you know, do what you need to do kind of thing. Right. But over here, everybody wears a mask. You go out, even you're walking down the street, somebody's walking their dog, they're, they're wearing a mask, you know. And people will, will keep their space. You go to the supermarket, everybody's respectful. It just makes me think that, you know, everybody's got these rules in the UK and they're just not listening to them. Whereas over here, we've got the rules and everybody's taking it upon themselves to look after themselves and to look after each other. It makes you think, you know. What does it make you think? It just makes you think, uh, are rules the way to go? Or or some people think that the... (laughs) We're getting really deep into the weeds here. That, you know, the government advice and, you know, once the government say it's okay, you can now go out. It's if they... They, you know, their own response, personal responsibility is just gone out the window. They're just listening to the government. And when the government say you can go out, you can do whatever, they go into. And, you know, people need to look after themselves, take their own responsibility yeah. for for where we're going, you know. And, yeah, there's a stark difference between the UK and France. Mm. Well, maybe you got <laughs> – I was going to say that I, my opinion is, is be, especially with the advent of social media, our uh, narcissism scales in our own you know, human society and brains have like gone off the deep end. And now mm. this is like this is attack of attack of, uh, you know, malignant narcissism as a as a uh, race, as a, a human race. You know, I think that, uh, you know, that it's, it's like I can't I can't get past how, how narcissism is is, is like uh, changing 
changing the way we behave. It's just mm, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Here in, uh, here in Washington State, our, our governor has mandated that um, you have to wear a mask in public if you mm. cannot uh, maintain a physical distance of six feet. So if you're in a store or something like that. There are some stores like Costco's made it a rule, but not a lot of places has made those kind of rules, but now they have to uh, follow those kind of things and they're going to be enforced with like fines and fees and stuff. So it'll be, but that was just like yesterday. So we'll see how well people follow that and how, um, yeah, how that affects mm -hmm. things because I think there's going to be a lot of pushback realistically, unfortunately, because wearing a mask is incredibly simple thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's Here's, the very, it's like the minimal that you can do in a what It's just, yeah. people it, just don't want to be told what to do. It's completely it's, it's unenforceable. And I've actually talked to uh, the chief of police here in Peekskill. And, you know, he said, he said, you know, when, or I talked You're to some. You're still trying to get off that bill, aren't you? Still trying to get off that fine. <laughs> I Jesus haven't gotten Christ. my court date. I haven't Six gotten my court in. date yet. I think the fix is in. But a friend of mine. Uh, actually, it wasn't me. It was a friend of mine was talking to the chief, and the, and the chief had said that, you know, when this all happened, there was like a kind of a back-off policy just because of, you know, there was at one point they didn't have enough PPE in the police department. So they're not going to be – no one's going to get – no one – trust me, that ticket book ain't coming out on people in the mm -hmm. United States. Anything going to happen is going to be a riot. And there's – you know, it's suggested. There's no enforcement. I mean, they can't. We're gonna talk about this again. Then people are like fucking pulling their hair out. They're like, "Bring me back bad audio, Josh Prince." If we're gonna do this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who cares. I, uh, yeah, you're right. Let's move on. Let's move on. Jeff, what have you been? Two weeks. I haven't spoken to you. What have you been up to? Well, it's very interesting talking about uh, coronavirus a little bit. My, um, I made a knife. Remember, I told you two weeks ago, I had a knife that was stolen. And then I remade yeah, the knife. The mail. Yeah, yeah. It was for the actor Henry Golding. Henry Golding is in Crazy, Crazy Rich, Rich Asians. Asians. Crazy Rich Asians, yeah, and yeah. He's in uh, The Gentleman, and he's actually going to be the new Snake Eyes in the G.I. Joe movie. Oh. So back in December, my buddy Nico Tavernisi, who is a set photographer for, every, for everything, if you don't follow Nico, you're crazy because he, he has these pictures. People think that he just copies them off the internet. He's taken them. And um, he said to me, I'm going to go to Japan in January to, to film the new uh, G.I. Joe movie, Snake, Snake Eyes. It's going to be Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. Big 80s. If you're in American 80s, that's like a big deal. Like that's I don't know if you had that in, 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 in the U.K. growing up, Craig, but G.I. Joe was like in the 80s and the early 90s. It was the biggest. We had a version called Action Man, which which was the same. I'm pretty sure it was the same thing, just rebranded. Yeah, they just like stole a David Bowie song and decided to yeah. <laughs> decided to make up some <laughs> bullshit knockoff. Yeah. That's good, good for them. So, so I said to him like, you know, it'd be great. You know, what if I'm if I made a couple quick little like, kind of funny ninja knives? Would you deliver them? And he goes, absolutely. I said, here's what I'll do. I'll make three. I'll make one for Snake Eyes, one for Storm Shadow, and one for you. And he says, fantastic. So the day before he was gonna leave, I put him in a bags. I got them all wrapped up, and he just threw them in his bag, and he flew off to, you know, he said, man, I hope they don't get confiscated. I'm like, yeah, at the end of the world. So he gave them to, he went on the set, they were in Tokyo, and they were in some, you know, castle in Japan. And Nika's the best. He's such a good guy. And he, um, he had that, he gave it to them, and while they're all in a, like, a green room, like, so Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow are there, and the villain. And the villain is, like, some big, kind of scary dude. So Nico took all these pictures of them unwrapping it, and Henry is such a nice, I mean, he is literally a nice guy. And I, one of the reasons why I know that is because I've, Nico will say the most 
awful things about people who are not nice. I mean, he's got, he said, though, as oh, worse as you can say about certain people on set. So he's just like, Henry's incredible. So he took all these pictures of, you know, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes opening them up and, and they're wearing the costumes. And I'll get to, you know, I, I'll post them when closer to G.I. Joe. Otherwise, I don't want to get him in trouble. So there's one picture of Henry Golden with this nice smile, super nice guys holding it up. And then there's the villain in the back, just like kind of sneering. <laughs> it's like, where's my knife? The fucking villain is my knife. <laughs> Nico's got his and he's just like, I ain't giving you shit. You just you be the villain. You got paid for this movie. I ain't giving you shit. So when Nico got back the end of January, right before shit really started popping. And he was really nervous because he was in Japan for six weeks and he thought he was going to get quarantined, well, whatever. He kind of like just made it past, um, you know, there being any kind of like, you know, limiting him coming in or anything like that. And he, he actually, he was not COVID positive. He, he was going to stop by the shop. I'm like, he ain't stopping by the shop. Just relax. So Henry and I became friendly and he sent me a message and, and um, he wanted a knife and he was super interested. You know, some of these guys, they, they don't know any, they don't really don't know anything about it. So he really enjoyed the process and stuff like that. And I sent him the knife to the right address, to the right apartment in this complex, but I spelled his name wrong. That I said, I thought it was Henry Golden. I'm like, what was Golden, Golden. So it shouldn't have made a difference, and it was it was stolen. It was definitely delivered to his apartment complex, and it was stolen. And the funny part was, is he was just like, you, you know, I think you could kind of just put some sort of you know snake eyes thing in the, on the knife, and and just to kind of something to kind of you know rem remind me that this was during that time. And I was like, oh, what the fuck am I gonna put on? So I, I just thought, <laughs> thought, and thought, and nothing was really, and it was too late anyway. It was like you, um, the goddamn thing's finished. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna get something. I'm not gonna get things engraved. So I made him a watercolor of the knife. But I spelled his name wrong, as I thought it was. So when I sent it to him, I sent him the picture and stuff like that. And then I realized I spelled his name. I got this big watercolor with his name, Henry Golden. And it was a real nice picture. And it looks just like the knife. And I wrote in a thing about, yeah, good luck on G.I. Joe movie. And I was like, thank God it got stolen because it wouldn't have been so embarrassing. Because he was like, I made you this. You fucking, you know, baby, this knife. You don't even know who my goddamn name is. So... He so did you redo cool. redo the picture? No, I fucking I think you get a free one. You're, you know, I'm not making you know the watercolor. You can forget uh, it. Uh, I don't. I mean, it's like I mean, what else? What I gotta do? You know, he was super. He was super. He's super nice guy, and he felt terrible about it. And I, I didn't. I didn't say to him, you know, you're rich. Why don't you? You know, you're a crazy rich Asian. Why don't you pay? And I'm like, I was like, uh, it's, <laughs> it didn't really matter who it was, and and he was super cool. He's just like, oh, when I get it, I'm gonna post about it, and he did, and that was really cool, and. He's a good dude, man. It was a good, it was a good experience. So that that's the end of the story. So hopefully I'll have some Snake Eyes pictures, kind of closer to when they release the movie. And with I'll awesome. post the picture of the pissed off villain, <laughs> just the jealous villain. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, but what about this week though? What have you been up to? Just uh, this week, still working on this one knife. This or? week, no, no. I was uh, this week. I'm on. A, I am working on six different knives. Uh, I'm trying to finish them off. Uh, shout out to my buddy. Um, uh, uh, John, uh, <sighs> Doghouse Forge, JP, uh, he rules. Jonathan Porter rules. He started to, we started talking about slotting uh, the ferrules and knives, and he mm. was telling me, you know, you really need to get a, you, you don't hand file it. You get yourself you a mill. need a mill. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy a mill. He's like, well, just get a vice. Get a, get a cross milling vice. Like, a, it's a vice that's got two axes. Mm. So I got one of those, and he kind of just showed me how he slots the um the uh 
slots the hole for the tank, except the tank. You don't have to cut, you know, to cut the tank back. You don't have to thin it down and stuff like that. So I did it and it was super, super, super cool. And it really was cool because I was able to uh, mill out more material. So there was more, um, there was more depth to keep the knife straight, straighter when you put it in and you glue it all up. Like the, mm. the ferrule, that long slot, become, the longer it is, the more, as long as it's square, it's going to make your knife straight when you put it in and you glue it up. So that was like super, super cool. And that was like the big deal. Uh, I'm going to have to get another, I'm going to have to get a, a, a drill or another or an end mill or something like that. But it was a, it was a really, really, that was the, my favorite thing that happened all week. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So you did that in a, in just a normal drill press, but you just used the the mill vice. I used a I got a mill vice and I got a I have a inexpensive uh, tabletop um, a tabletop drill press and I, yeah you just use you can get them cheap and it's just like an x and a y and then you just get the end mills and then you just put it in the thing. I mean I'm not gonna cut steel with it. I'm just gonna be cutting yeah. you know thin you know like you know three eighths of an inch of wood you know so it's not you know and you're just doing passes and going lower and lower and lower and i would think that a mill would be better but at this point in time i'm not gonna just to make a little slot i'm not gonna go you know pay two grand yeah, for yeah, a mill makes sense yeah but it was great sense. i want to kind of these are the things is ways in which to be more efficient is like it's that's all mm -hmm. i want to do so and then I got another um, vacuum chamber for stabilizing, which was great. And that's ooh, another one. You love, you love. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> you got a fucking ten thousand dollar fucking laser, and I get a fucking hundred dollar tank, and I'm getting the ooze. Fine, <laughs> but it's great. It allows me to kind of like uh, allows me to do two different things at the same time. At the same time, which is kind of cool. I got to figure out how to daisy chain them. I haven't really kind of figured out how to do that yet, but we're good. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, shall we do some news? Sure. It's the news. <laughs> we don't have a lot, but <laughs> uh, we did get a message from the Great Lakes Custom Knife Show. Uh, the Great Lakes Custom Knife Show of 2020 has been canceled uh, due to COVID and uh, other restrictions in Ontario, uh, Canada. Uh, the show is going to be rescheduled for August 2021. Uh, if you need any uh, updates or have any questions, get a hold of them on Instagram at Great Lakes Custom Knife Show. No underscores or anything like that. All one word. Um, and peace and love. I'm with you from Mr. Chris Hamlin. Cool. And uh, he's Hamlin Knives on Instagram. So if you were planning on going that, don't go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, other news, actually. Um, not a sponsor of the show, but, you know, he's a listener of the show and a friend of the show. Um, Alex Steele has released some anvils this week. I had an email saying that his tool company, they've they've made some anvils, um, and they look incredible. Oh, so if, yeah, nice. if, you, if you're one of these people looking for an anvil, uh, go take a look at Alex Steele. Uh, Alex Steele Tool Company, I think it is. Um, and, yeah, they've made the, the amazing-looking anvil. He went for that London pattern. That's, yeah, a very, yeah. that's a very interesting decision. I think that that's a very interesting decision, that size and that shape. Because mm. it's kind of, I mean, in my opinion, it's always been the London pattern where the horn drops down. There's like a step and it drops down. It, always, and I, it looks like a beautiful anvil, for sure, 100%. And he's got yeah. holes in the bottom so you can screw it down, which I like that too. But I always am interested in how people perceive anvils because the London pattern is traditionally for, for farriers, I think. Mm. My, it's, my, it's always mm. been my opinion. Yeah, well, I suppose if you look at what Alec does, Alec isn't 
a traditional knife maker. You know, he makes a lot of knives and swords, but, you know, he, he's a blacksmith. He, he blacksmiths yeah. all sorts of things. So I think I suppose yeah. it's that flexibility you have right. with that type, yeah. type of pattern maybe. Yeah. yeah. It, looks, it looks awesome. Yeah, I have a Peter Wright, and it's got that little step. And it's really great for kind of helping to hold things in place, especially if I have to kind of hammer on the end of something. I put it down on that step on top of the horn, and I can hammer in there without it sliding down Right. You know, the normal, but the top of the anvil, that step really helps keep things kind of locked in place. Well, all those, that style, I mean, like, you know, when farmers had to do their their own stuff, they had to have yeah. something that they could also move around. So that, that like, it was like sure. the Swiss Army knife. So they want to make it so farmers could use it, not blacksmiths. I mean, the traditional blacksmith ha- uh, anvils are much bigger, 200, 300, 400 pounds, and then there's no step, sure. you know. So it's like dedicated to you know it ain't supposed to move 1500 pounds 500 pounds they're not supposed to move versus wow. these under 200 pound anvils are you know meant to move around in your you know for the home blacksmith or the home you know farmer or something like that and i think it's I kind of a neat situation mm-hmm. yeah mine mine's a 220 pound and i definitely move it around yeah no, right. no no i mean but to me you know, you know 500 pound anvil i don't you're not gonna be schlepping around it. you know <laughs> yeah for sure um uh, one more piece of news. I actually got a message from Bob Rankin that this week's uh, Forge and Fire, so Forge and Fire started doing episodes where people, competitors are competing against each other to then ultimately compete against the judges. Whoa. And, mm, that's and, good. Yeah, I haven't seen any episodes yet, but Bob said that my knife, my uh, from the second time I was on, I made an Ida sword, and that was used as an example in the uh, for the final round. The, the maker got to choose which one of three different uh, swords to build and he ended up choosing mine and but it was cool to see it back on there and i hadn't seen that sword in a while and it still actually looked all right do you think you'd go back on if they asked you they did ask me to do actually to do the filming for these judges episodes and i was not interested at all hmm is it financial or for the time or the energy or it's yeah it's the financials i mean realistically so they don't pay you anything to even do the show not, it, even if you're not a guest you'd be right. just to get you were they asked you to come on as a guest not as a competitor no 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 as a competitor oh they asked me to come on as a competitor right and the and the the way they reason it to you is like is this great publicity and blah 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 but they don't i, I mean i'm sure they take into account that it's three weeks of somebody's life that you're doing this and that's three weeks of time that you're not getting paid right right it's not a mm-hmm. done and, deal, right? And and they don't pay you anything. And so I told them, look, I can't afford to not get compensated for my lost time out of my shop because right. you know this is what that time is worth to me. And they're like, well, well, we don't traditionally pay. And I was like, yeah, yeah no shit, I know that. Yeah. I've been on twice already. <laughs> <laughs> so so he's like, oh, I'll look into it. Never heard yeah, anything back. It. So that was get awesome. The fuck out of here. <laughs> you're gonna look into it, and then you're gonna show up, and they're like, did you look into it? Oh no, just sign the paperwork. Yeah. Well, I heard some stuff about it afterwards, and I'm glad that I didn't do it because it sounded a little shitty. Anyways, so you got to do content, and that's the way it is. You got to figure something out. Yeah, Bob Rankin, thank you for the for the uh, heads up. (laughs) Yeah, you go, Bob Rankin, the man. That's our guy. That's the news. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chapel! And the guys at Even Heat, they're back at work. They're producing ovens again. So, yeah, if you need an oven, they're the ones to speak to. Evenheat-kilns.com. And remember, Knife Talk 15 
15% off your order. And check, a bargain. and check out the LB series because there's no coils in the back. So if you're making something a little bit on the bigger side, let's just say you're going to looking for something that a little bit longer than you normally used to. You, if, you're, if you don't have coils in the back, you don't have to worry about overheating the tip, which happens a lot. So mm. definitely check out the LB series. I love it. Actually, You're I do have off because you've got the new model, aren't you? Oh. Really, that's all it is. <laughs> I got one of the first ones. I was, I was Batman on the, Black. I was on the, I was on the even heat tit from day one. Nice, you know, nice. I, I'm with those guys. I'm with those guys 100. percent I sold some. I sold. Trust me, I sold some fucking ovens. Don't you worry about a thing. <laughs> I'm on the fucking even heat tit. I did right by them, and I, they'll do. They always do right by me. I love those guys. Yeah. I do, I do have another piece of news from Bob Rankin really quick. He's putting together an auction billet uh, to help Kyla Cummings out. She's got some unexpected uh, medical bills. And so he's putting together an auction. He's making some Damascus. Uh, go check out Bob Rankin. The auction ends July 1st. Um, and so this episode will definitely be out before that. And so go check it out. Go help him. Help her. That would be awesome. That's good. Cool. Good things. Yeah. Cool. So this is the bit of the show where we like to um, take your questions and see if we can answer them. We can't always, but we do try. But if you've got a question for us... Contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's that easy. At Knife Talk on Instagram. Not our personal accounts, at Knife Talk on Instagram. So, yeah, we've had some questions. The first one is from Forrest Kettner question for the show when quench quenching is there any reason to stab the oil like you want to kill it <laughs> also i've seen on forged in fire when the smiths press their blade between boards with weights or angle iron in a clamp their blade is straight after cooling why don't more smiths do the same and he says full disclosure i'm a forged in fire champion season seven episode 29 thanks for the best for the great podcast i listen to everyone he said you should have said the best yeah, I should have said the best. Yeah, I changed that to the best. We all know it's the best. <laughs> Wasn't the best last week. I'm fine. <laughs> Climbing back. So you say, is there any reason that um, they people stab the oil like they want to kill it? So going in tip first, in fast, as if it's in a stabbing motion. Um, why would you do that? Um, and also um, uh, about the boards, um, between boards between. with weights yeah. or angle iron in a clamp. Um, so, yeah, which way do you guys do it? I I quench vertically into I have like a three and a, three foot tall quenching tube. It's like mm. a six inch or a six inch diameter tube, and I I do point first. And the 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 idea with agitating it, kind of repeatedly stabbing it down into the oils, that you're breaking up the jacket. If you think about like uh, water, if you th- threw water on a hot uh, griddle or into a hot pan it's gonna bubble up and vaporize and it's gonna jump around well on the surface of your blade it's doing the same thing in the oil and what can happen is that those bubbles uh create what's called a vapor jacket and it it can actually uh insulate your blade and prevent it from properly cooling down quick enough so what you want to do is agitate the blade up and down especially if it's in a vertical quenching tube like mine is and it looks like a stabbing motion but what you're doing is you're breaking that up and you're allowing that oil to get to the surface of the blade so that it quenches and cools down uh, adequately Mm. yeah i mean i use a i do mine horizontally so i've got a like a wider tank as opposed to a, a you know like a a lot of people have a cylinder like, like you just mentioned. Yeah. 
Um, and I mean, he asked about the stabbing action. I, you know, that's just for the speed, I suppose. You know, I mean, I shouldn't be telling you you're a Fortune Fire champion, season seven, episode twenty nine. <laughs> um, but it's all about just getting into into the oil quick. Um, and and uh, you know, Morocco just mentioned why you may do it multiple times, sure. uh, but also mentions about um, pressing the blade between boards with weights or an angle iron as a clamp, um, and the blade is always straight after cooling. Um, I mean, a lot of people do that, obviously, with stainless anyway, because you're quenching between plates. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never done it with an oil quench, you know, with an oil quench, then put into any sort of plates at all. Have you, Jeff, have you done that? Um, I have. And one thing I have known is even if you quench uh, steel, if it's still above like 400 degrees, if you put it down flat on like an anvil or any kind of aluminum or a piece of, or even a table, you're yeah. you're going to draw the heat out even at 400 degrees you'll draw the heat out of the side that you lay it down in mm-hmm. and it doesn't cool the same way and then what'll happen is is the bottom will, the you know the ins, the the spot, spot touching it'll will heat sink and then you'll pull put a you can put a warp in it at 400 degrees yeah. so if you put it if you let it cool evenly on both sides in a clamp then the chances of it you know warping are are very minimal I mean, that's my opinion. I don't know. Marekka, what do you think? Nope, that's 100%. I agree. And for me, the stabbing motion is always, and it is basically exactly what you guys said, but I always see it as rotating the, the cool oil, the cooler oil to the surface. Like that, you're preventing the steam, you know, you're you're rotating it out, so you're going up and down, and you're just trying to agitate it so it, it, the hot oil kind of uh, rotates out, and then the cool oil is right there when you need it. Yeah, it's kind mm-hmm. of a stirring motion. Right. Right, right, yeah. right, and and I I remember when I first first time I ever quenched a knife was with Matt Paul MP knives, he said the most important part is you want to put it in straight because if you put it and when you move it you don't want to move it side to side blade side blade side you want to go f- yeah. forward back because otherwise it, it, you could take some of that you know the cooler oil might pull some of the you know you you could warp it just by that so going up and down it just seems like a safer bet. Yeah, like a cut-in motion. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. You know, talking about forging fire, which we have done already a few times, I've seen a few people, when they quench, they'll then pull out straight away and leave it out for a few seconds, and it's all flames mm. and smoke and fire. Is that just for drama? Why else would you pull it out and leave it out? It, it's Some people think it's kind of like a, a pseudo-mar quench, which mm. a mar quench is pull, uh, coming out of your kiln or salt bath and quenching into uh, a hot medium of some sort, whether it's salt or oil or some people use lead, uh, which sounds horrible, uh, but that's a thing. <laughs> and um, I would not advise it. But basically what you're doing is you're quenching into a material that is or uh, a medium that's basically where you're going to temper or maybe just below where you're going to temper. Um, and so you can kind of, kind of do that in a way, um, by only quenching for maybe, you know, five, six seconds and then pulling the blade out, um, of the oil and it's still going to be hot. It could flame up, um, because it's, you know, it's going to be probably still around five, 600 degrees. It's going to be above Mm -hmm. kind of like that Martin site start point. And I guess the idea is for the, the blade to for the temperature to even out because of course the typically when you quench a blade especially if you've done any primary grinding the edge is going to be thinner than what's happening up at the spine and so by pulling it out early you're allowing the temperature to kind of um, redistribute and even out before it 
does its final transformation down to the Martin site, and it kind of does it all together uh, instead of the edge transforming into Martin site, and then gradually up to the spine starts transforming into Martin site. Um, Got so, you, yeah. yeah. But these TV but people want to see some fucking sparks. Right, and oh, the yeah. way they're doing it on the show is is not. It's you know, they quench for like two seconds and they pull it out, and that's not enough time. You need you you want to quench for at least four to six seconds before you pull it out, because if you if you pull the blade out of the oil too early, one, it's definitely going to flame up, and you could cause some serious problems. Uh, people have definitely set their set buildings on fire doing that. Uh, but two, you haven't made it past that transformation uh, zone uh, where the blade uh, there's there's this thing called the perlite noise if you look at any ttt charts which is like a the transformation of what's happening in the steel as it's transforming from austenite to martensite that's what i look there's at this... every morning i check the ttt charts. <clears throat> exactly yeah you're looking at that giant <laughs> bowl what's going on the ttt charts go ahead yeah exactly so you got to get below that bulge uh, which or or some people call it a nose. So she said. It's, it's, so you gotta get you gotta get below. <laughs> Craig and I are totally get... tapped out of this. <laughs> <Very> clearly, <laughs> you gotta get below 900 degrees. Um, and once you've gotten below 900 degrees, you then you have you know a little bit more time to allow the blade to cool down slowly. Um, but yeah, so there you go. I tell you, that's a thorough answer. I tell you a funny, a fun, a kind of funny story. I don't know if you remember back in the back in the day, I had an intern here, an employee named Carl Childs. Carl was here <laughs> for a while, and we forged a knife. And when we were in heat treating, it was a tiny little thing, a tiny little thing. And I said, "Now listen, what you're gonna do." <laughs> you motherfucker you you motherfucker you so he so i said to him, he, he was fucking, i hope you do that the whole episode you little bastard so i said when it's time to heat treat when it's time to quench i want you to make sure that it stays don't pull it you know you know, agitate you know, go straight down stabbing motion don't pull it out of the oil just keep it in the oil and I said, because what, what happens is, is if it, if it's not cool enough, it'll it'll catch on fire, and you don't want that. I said, I see you understand. He's like, absolutely. So it was a tiny thing, puts it in the oil, does the agitation. He must have just seen forge and fire. He pulls it out to see it. He said he told me to see it. Flames engulf the knife. Flames engulf the torch and he, the the tongs. And he moved his arm, and the flames kept following him. Thank God I grabbed him and I put it back in. And I said, why did you do that? And he goes, I wanted to see what was going to happen. I'm like, you motherfucker, you. You little bastard. <laughs> but it was like, I'm Christ. telling you, listen, it, it, you, you pull your hand back and the flames are following you. It's, it, was, it was terrifying. So, yeah, I was like, don't do that, don't do that anymore, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> How many yeah. chips are you eating, by the way? What, are you, what kind of chips are you eating? Cheetos. Fucking Cheetos. Cheetos. You know they stick all to your teeth. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Fucking Cheetos. You know what my favorite... One of my most favorite driving snacks is Cheetos and tomatoes, like little Roma tomatoes. And you just oh, kind of eat it like a little, uh, like an apple almost. And just Whoa. think about it. Tomato. You know, like a, like a cherry a tomato or a big tomato? No, like a big tomato, like a Roma tomato. You eat it like a like an apple? Yeah. It's so weird. Jeez. Don't you think that's weird? <laughs> I mean, no. I'm, good. I'm good. enjoy it's, it. It's I mean, food. I want to see a picture. Of course, it's food. You don't fucking eat an onion like that. I want to see a fucking mouth out. Well, on you a don't. Ba- I don't. I fucking don't. I tell you what, I do. Snack talk. Let's fucking keep going. Unless you want to keep going, I don't. I like Cool Ranch Doritos. That's what I like. Go for it. I I can't eat a uncooked tomato. 
Um, Whoa, and it, really? apparently there's there's plenty of people out there. They taste just like soap. Right. They taste really soapy, and apparently that's very common. But once it's cooked and and on the the enzymes are broken down, I I love it. You know, like a, like a like a tomato kind of sauce. I love. Hmm. But yeah, a raw tomato I find is just soap in my mouth. The thing, the thought of eating a thought of eating a tomato <laughs> like an apple is really kind of making me a little bit ill. To be honest with you, I like really? them cut. I like them thinly sliced with a little salt <laughs> and oil and pepper, but that and a little onion. But I mean, I, I'm taking a bite out of that. I, I don't know. I can do it. <laughs> Have you ever eaten a jelly donut? It's not the fucking same, dude. Don't fucking tell me it's not the. Don't tell me a fucking jelly donut and a goddamn tomato are the same thing. Those are two totally different things. <laughs> you should try it though. You I'm not try try, I'm it. not. It's good. No, it's I'm good. not. Can All right, it. this next one's for. <laughs> go, keep, keep going. Yeah. Keep going, juicy. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> this next one's from uh, Philip Hidden. Hayden. Hayden. Sorry, bud. He says, "Hey, cuties, uh, are you? Uh, sorry, is." Are, sorry, jeez, I can't Have read this right now. Have a bite of tomato. It comes right back. You just start over. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Uh, are there a certain etiquette etiquette for taking inspiration or borrowing design traits from makers and bigger companies? I've fallen in love with the handle design of a Sabatier knife, and I make those kind of handles, but I don't know the etiquette, and I don't want to be rude or entrenched in someone else's copyright. He said he wants design. to make them. He said he doesn't make them. He wants to make them. He's worried about Oh, he does. Them. Sorry. Yeah. That's hard. Told you I can't read right now. It's fine. I mean, they're very, very sort of classic designs. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's going to be a million variations of them. But, you know, they've got, if, if it's the design I'm thinking of, the classics about the years, they're, they're very straight along the spine. Um, the underside is very straight as well. So, like, the belly of the handle is very straight. But there's this hook on the end, right. you know, on the, on the heel. Mm -hmm. Very sort of classic designs, and I'm sure there's a million and one variations. So, to make something similar, you know, if that if that's what you like using, I I, I don't think there's there's a big problem there. As long as you're not, you know, taking a photo, scanning it in, and you know, taking a digital copy of it, and you know, making an exact copy, um, I I, I think you could. That's for the guys in Wizarzabar, you know. Yes, yeah. What is that You know what I'm talking about? But I think it's it's it, it's a classic design, and you know, as I said, there's a million variations of it. And yeah. if if you ask anybody to draw a knife, it's going to be very similar to that anyway. So yeah, I think you know, yeah, definitely take inspiration from it. But yeah, as long as you're not taking it, you know, yeah. digital pixel for pixel copy of it, you'd be fine. They're not going to be sending you a cease and desist order. That's for sure. No. If I can no. say it for no. God's sakes. I mean, well, they ain't going to worry about that. Yeah. Well, and there isn't just one maker. That makes that hmm. Sabatier style. Sabatier style is a Sabatier, style. It's yeah. not is it's not just it's not owned by any one company. And I think technically it can't be, um, from what I've read, yeah, um, because yeah. it, it's just kind of a generic term used. It's like a terroir thing, basically. Uh, yeah. But like Craig can attest to, it, he went to the Tears Knife Show and there were tons of makers and all of the fucking knives look exactly the same, right? Yep. It's, oh yeah. Yeah. And so I think if you love that Sabatier style, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, use it. Um, mm. I think it's, I think it's general enough and so widely used that you, you could just basically quote unquote, rip it off. Now, if it's a very particular handle style or design feature that, basically nobody else does then that's a different question i think and i think jeff's had you know he's had people kind of quote unquote riffing on his um 
what the 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 sabor the yeah, cuban cuban knife right? yeah. cuban knife yeah yeah, yeah. Well, look. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't. I mean, about that. how do I feel about it? I, you know, I stopped making it when Carl died. I was like a yeah. good reason to stop making it. So, it was yeah. one of those things. Where it was like I didn't create. I mean, I didn't create. It wasn't a uh, completely. Um, I mean, it wasn't out of no. I mean, it wasn't. I didn't really. I took parts of hunting knives and and fighting knives and kind of parts of my chef knives and kind of slipped them together. Sure. I think the most important thing is especially for people, we talked about this, even we talked about last week, if you could hear it, we talked about how you find inspiration and how you step up, step away and kind of like step away and have your own thing. And I think taking original, you know, things that you like about the Savatier knives is great. I think you, I think it's very important for you as a person who wants to separate themselves out is taking subtle um, uh, evolutions, tiny evolutions here, mm. tiny evolutions here, tiny evolutions here, and then work off that original design and maybe you make changes to make it your own. I think that's the way to go. I, sure. I, I think if your name was Jimmy Sabatier, then I think that, you know, maybe you can get the <laughs> cease and desist letter. But I don't think that's – I, I think it's important to just – I hate the – I hate one of the things I hate about knives is there's so many – you can be so uh, inspired by things that you see other people do. And there's yeah, so many yeah. different types of makers in terms of – what your direction is and, and what your direction is and who you're inspired by and what you see and stuff like that. So I think it's important to just kind of, you can be inspired by things. I think it's important to just, you know, work within yourself to find out something that you can do that doesn't kind of completely, you know, knock off somebody else. Cause what happens is you start yeah. selling them and people are just like, eh. you know, I, I know I got a message from a friend of mine. I'm going to keep it vague. When I keep it vague, it's never vague. And somebody was asking about um, knife making classes. How do you do knife making classes? And yeah, answered a million questions, answered a million questions. The next thing you know, the dude's like doing the exact same thing he's doing. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, you get to the point where people are starting to make money, you know, you start to get jealous or you start to get irritated, you know? Yeah. 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 It's that thing that's, you know, it's a sharp, pointy, stabby thing. How many right. variations of that can you find? You know, th th there's not many. And yeah, there will be, you know, uh, you know, trends and so on where, you know, shapes, to, you know, may follow something for, for a certain amount of time. But at the end of the day, they're all going to be pretty much the same. And I say that, that's about the It's, you know, there's pr you could probably buy, go to any supermarket and buy something that looks exactly the same that isn't a Sabatier. Right. Yes, right. It's, that, it's that classic style. Very French. Very, very. I don't like them personally. I find them way too thin, way too thin than the handles. But uh, mm. yeah, everybody's different. I stole one from my old man, and it had such a banana in it. The bow is, like, I mean, it's like incredible. It's an incredible bow. But I'm under the impression that it is a, a, certainly a lot of different companies making the Sabatier style knife. Right. Yeah, they li they cool. license it. The right. same as the Lagiols. La la they're exactly right. the same. Um, you know, they're not made by one company. Um, and a lot of the Lagiols, they'll have the maker's name on as well. You know, their own company right. as well. Lagiol. Lagiol. Um, <laughs> You're in France. You, you got to say Lagiol. Lagiol. How would you say Come it? Come on, Jeffrey. man. I'll tell you a funny story. 
I'll tell you a funny quick. This, be- this better be funny now because you say this a lot and they're never funny. This better be really funny. <laughs> Fuck this story. <laughs> Come on. God damn you. You got me right in the nuts. You kicked me right in the nuts with the toe up the ass. I'm you, done. No, you, you tell us, oh, you tell us the story and we'll tell you if it's funny. Fuck, no, I'm not going to. Now you got me screwed up. I, I, I ain't telling that fucking story. I'm going on. This next one comes from Jesse Allison, you son of a bitch. I was like, you got me good. You stopped me right in my tracks. God, I'm just getting sweating. God. Uh, I live in the mountains of Southwest Virginia, and my shop is a separate building. I built it in the backyard. I recently went full-time making knives, and the problem has been I've got a few loafers that love to stop by regularly to see what I'm into, and it really hinders my work at times. Just wondering if any of y'all have ever had that problem, uh, and what's the nice way to say, please get the fuck out of here so I can get some work done. Thanks for the great entertainment podcast. On the wisdom each of you share, I look forward to hearing your reply. Have a good one, Jesse Allison. So you ever have somebody's just loafing, some loafers stopping by and bugging you? <laughs> um, not particularly, but here in France, everybody is super no, uh, like nosy anyway. They, they want to poke right. their nose into everything. So if I've got my door open to the shop, people are putting their head in and they're, you know, they're, having a sniff around to see what I'm up to. But um, I generally don't. I just keep the door closed. There's blinds. I keep the blinds closed. Nobody can really see what I'm doing. Um, we have got like a – it is like a shop front, like a retail shop front here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got no signage at all. Um, you know, the locals, they all know what I do. But, the, you know, the, there's nothing there that would stop, you know, passing trade. Um, and th- and that's for that reason, really, that, yeah, if, you know, it's just me here. If I were to stop and chat, it's, you know, I don't have enough time in the shop anyway. Um, and if I was just chatting away, I'd get nothing done. So I'm I'm quite lucky in that respect, I think, that um, I, I, I haven't got, you know, regulars coming in all the time just, you know, just, just for a chat. What about you, Mareko? You got any people who kind of stopping by and bugging yeah, you? Yeah, kind of. I got a – so where my shop is located is that of, of, on a friend's property. He has a couple uh, large warehouse buildings on his property, and so I, I, I rent a little space out of there. Um, he has a kind of handyman guy come by and do work from time to time. But anytime that guy is there, he, because he's into knives, he of thinks course. all of a sudden we're, we're best fucking friends yeah. and he just wants to talk my goddamn <laughs> ear off. And yeah. he also, you know, I have all kinds of, uh, uh, material that I I've used in repurposed blades and stuff like that, like saw blades and stuff like that kind of laying around. Uh, in my grinding room or elsewhere in my shop and he's like hey hey uh you know you are you using that do you think would you sell that and i'm like fuck this isn't a secondhand store this is my goddamn shop i'm not selling you my stuff and i was like i'll tell you where i got it and i you know it's not far from where we're at I was like, yeah, they're 10 bucks a pop. Just go over there. He's like, oh, yeah, they're hard to find because uh, they're, they're always really expensive. And, oh. you know, you could paint on these. And I was like, Get I can turn this one saw here. blade into like $5,000. I'm not selling you the fucking saw blade. Better hope he doesn't, better hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah, well, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, well, you are. What do you say you are when all of a sudden the heat's out. You want, to, you want the anime to stop by because the, the toilet doesn't work. It'll be great. No, I, I'll fix the fucking toilet myself. There you go. Um, Burning bridges, <laughs> burning bridges. On the podcast. It'll be great because he'll 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 leave me go. alone and I can yeah. get my fucking work yeah. done. I love a good bridge burn on the podcast. It's great. I I tell you what, I had a shop in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and I had a friend. I'm going to call him Big Pete. Big Pete used to stop by. He had a, he had a shop right next to mine, and we had a dartboard. And I worked with uh, my uh, we had a uh, I shared the space with uh, an English 
sculpture. And we would, at the end of the day, we would have beer and throw darts and play cricket and we had a great time. It was kind nice. of a bonding moment. But the problem was Big Pete used to stop by all the time and he'd just start throwing the fucking darts. And he was big. He's a big guy. That's why we called him Big Pete. And he used to throw the fucking darts so hard it would be like this huge thwack. And it was so, it was so unsettling. I'd be working and I'd hear thwack, thwack, thwack. When are we going to play? Thwack, thwack, thwack. When are we going to play? And I thought I'd be clever. And I did a, tr a prank on him where I basically took a plowshare and a hinge and I welded like a cover over the over the dartboard. So it was in a lock. <laughs> so basically I put a locking <laughs> cover over the dartboard. I thought, you'll get the picture. Nope, dart playing. He came in and he started screaming at me. This is how you feel about me. He went out of his fucking mind. We're not friends anymore. I'm so embarrassed. And this is a he's screaming at Big Pete. Relax, Big Pete. You know, it's fine. We'll play darts later. But you come in here and you play. It was I did. I was very passive aggressive. I made it look like a big <laughs> a giant nipple. And it was great. It looked great. But it was just like it was so aggressive because it's just like. I can't just, you know, I can't just tell you to get out. I have mm. to fucking build this, you know, steel contraption to prevent you from playing darts. It was just like Big Pete wasn't very happy with me. Mm. <laughs> now I don't have, now no one shows up. Now I just tell people I have coronavirus and I say, no one's allowed to come here. I'm going to have fucking <laughs> It was all a ruse. You'd rather have the virus. I swear to God, I swear to God, I've told 10 people now. Oh, I can't stop by, man. I got COVID-19. I, I tested negative. I tested positive for COVID-19. That was two months ago. Yeah, you never know. You never know. I'm going to have it for the next year. No one's stopping by. It's great. <laughs> nice. Okay, we've got another one from Brett Sunday. Um, one question I've always had, is a stock removal blade of the same material as a, as a forged blade expected to perform the same? Could said stock removal blade pass the ABS test? And has anyone tried? That's a good question, actually. <laughs> what do you think, Loreco? I I think that a uh, stock remove blade could most certainly pass the ABS test and potentially perform better, um, because in the forging process, you you know there's a lot of heating and cooling, heating cooling, carbon mm. being uh, lost through the process, and any potential of number of times that something bad could go on with the steel as you're forging it. Um, you know, it takes a lot of practice to get to a point where you know what you're doing and you're not ruining the material. Um, yeah, I, and so, yeah, and a, 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 a stock remove knife doesn't go through all that stress, doesn't go through that carbon loss. Um, and so, and which is why, you know, a lot of people like to start with a, a steel, especially if they're forgers, that has a high carbon content because they're anticipating that carbon loss. Um, but you know, with that little bit of extra retained carbon, it's going to, you know, it's going to hold an edge better. Um, and so, and it's going to get harder. So, you know, I think a stock remove blade very easily could pass the ABS test. Here's the question. If you yeah. took, let's just say you took a journeyman Smith and it gave them, yeah. they forged a knife and they stock removed a knife and they made them exact, exactly identical. Do you yep. think the master smiths could tell which one was forged and which one was? Let's just say they did it exactly the same way. Do you think they could tell the difference by sight if one was stock removal or one was forged? Hefty challenge. If, yeah, I think if they said they could, they would be full of shit. <laughs> you don't think? You, I don't. You, you, there's no not, telltale signs that would allow them to kind of be able to see the difference. No, 
especially if a blade is fully hand sanded out and everything. Both blades, there's especially on the forged blade, you know, any of the forged scales been removed. Uh, you've gotten behind below any kind of forged bark. Um, you know, or any kind of decarb that might be on the surface of the blade, you know, you get down to quote unquote, clean, good material, no decarb material. It's the same as a not as a non forged. And so it's it's more about the ability to conserve the material right. and forge a blade out. It's more about the, the sculpting nature of forging that kind of gives it more of that higher aspect or like that, that higher revered quality, right? But it doesn't necessarily uh, yield a better product. I wonder if anybody tried to do that, tried to do that for their five knives. Impossible. Yeah. I guarantee somebody's done it. You think so? I can almost 100%. If you're guarantee. listening to this, Mareko knows somebody If, who if has. you're you listening to this and you you have, you're a journeyman smith and you have passed, uh, passed, got your journeyman smith with a stock removal knife, send us an anonymous message. And tell us what you did and how you did it. We will keep it fucking on. No one's gonna trust you. I'm fucking, are you kidding me? I don't burn. I'm not. A, I'm not the bridge burner. Don't worry about me. You're I'm not a fucking, bridge burner. Of course I'm not. I'm the. I'm the, the least. I'm a man of peace and bring. I'm a bridge builder. You're a man of your word. I'm a bridge, You're definitely a man I'm of a your word. Bridge builder. So if you've listened to this and you said I fucking passed off five, I would pass off one soccer rule knife. They never knew a thing that hit him. Send us a message. Tell us a story. We'll read it. We'll be silent. And we'll keep our mouth shut. And uh, I want to. I want to hear the story. That'd be something else, wouldn't it? You know, someone's tried it. No. There, no. I bet somebody's tried it. Some some clever motherfuckers tried it. Okay. Well, let's get on with it. <laughs> All right. This next one is. Wait. Let's see. All right. Dylan Butler says Jeff is a man of his word. That's right. Other than the flat platen, what is the first attachment you would buy from Bob Beck Ironworks? Well, I will tell you this. I got a message <laughs> from uh, Vince. Vince actually sent me a message. From July 3rd through the 6th, Broadbeck is running a sale. During that sale, the discount code KNIFETALK5, now this is from July 3rd to July 6th. You put in discount code KNIFETALK5 and you will get a free slack belt attachment with the purchase of a grinder chassis or motorized package. So you gotta buy the gotta buy the machine. Don't don't try to be clever and just, you know, try to buy a baseball cap and put in knife talk five. Expect to get a slack belt. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> so that's a two hundred dollar value. And the slack the slack wow. belt attachment is great for, uh, for uh, facing hammers, sharpening blades, convex grinds, rounding spines, shaping handles, polishing bolsters, cleaning round stock, and much, much more. I love the Broadback Ironworks Grinder, and I love those guys. They're constantly doing lots of value for you. You should definitely be following them on Instagram. Congratulations to Vince, who is Vince and Ryan have both quit their jobs, and now they are full-time at Broadback Ironworks, and a lot of it has to do with you guys. We're moving grinders. So from the, if you're thinking about it and you want to save a little bit of money, you're talking about $200 uh, savings here, July 3rd through July 6th, buy a, knife buy a Broadback Ironworks Grinder, Knife Talk 5 gets you the free slack belt attachment. Um, they're super versatile and intuitive. They have a long platen, which I love, for, especially for chef knives. They're great. You don't run off the side of the platen uh, off the top if you're working on the spine or the or, or the, um, the the belly or whatever. Uh, they have pivots to be a horizontal or vertical. Lots of attachments that are in development as well. They're doing a... Um, Surface grinder attachment that uh, Kurt Halland has uh, right now. Congratulations to Kurt. Kurt oh, yeah. just proposed to his girlfriend on the way. Well, let's go to that. 
And then um, you don't need wrenches to change the attachments. It's just a, a couple swivel bolts. And um, all the it all gets shipped flat rate. So the, the price, you put it together, but the price of the shipping is included in the grinder. So when you see it says the price, they're not going to like say, oh, yeah, by the way, it's another 300 bucks for shipping. It's not the case. So cool. go to GrodbeckIronworks.com. Go get yourself that. I'm telling you, you got to fool, no fool around. July 3rd through the July 6th, get your machine and get that free flak, slack belt attachment with Knife Talk 5. And then after the 6th, Knife Talk 5 gets you 5% off all your grinders. BroadbeckIronworks.com. Cool. So, so that um, slack, ba- slack belt attachment, right. is that like a normal um, flat platen without the platen? It's, so you get the two wheels at the top. It's not a platen. There's no platen. It's, it's like, yeah, exactly, it, without the platen. It looks yeah. like an attachment that you take your platen off, you put it on, and it looks kind of like... <sighs> It's just a tighter slack belt. So like the wheels are closer together okay. and you have three different areas of different different tightness between the wheels. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Different spacing, right? Different spacing, right. So you have, you'll have one, two, three different areas where there's different spacing, different tightness of oh, the slack. Oh, okay. Like, like, a, like a rotary platen. It's is, like is, a rotary platen, but it doesn't come yeah. with a belt. So there's no belt back behind okay. it. Okay. But okay. I mean, it's yeah. very huh. it's their version of that. But it's great. I have it. I deal. love it. I use it all the time. Actually, I use it when I sharpen my knives. I use the tightest one uh, when, I, when I'm putting my final edge on. I love that mm. attachment. It's a great attachment. And all the attachments nice. come, uh, fit right on the, the slack belt arm. So we don't need, we've done it. We've done enough. They're, they're great. Vincent and, and Brian are the best. <laughs> cool. Okay, here's one for, for Moreco from Chad Kimmel. When cutting tiles for mosaic, some people cut the tile on an angle versus 90 degrees. Is it just easier to forge weld? And doesn't it shift the image of the opposite side of the blade 45 degrees? Super obnoxious that it's uh, that I'm not. This isn't for me either. Super obnoxious. <laughs> you don't, you no, don't make for you, you, know, you know, but I got to post everything take I make. Away. I got to post everything I make. <laughs> Go for it, Jeff. Uh, I'll let Mareko do on. it. It's fine by me. <laughs> Go ahead, my man. Go ahead. This is by all means. You take this one, buddy. Okay. You know, that reminds me when we had Steve Schwarzer on. When it when at the end of the show he said, um, "Oh, thanks for you know for let me on the show." He said, "And Jeff for all his knowledge in knife making, and Morocco for doing his amazing Damascus, and for Craig." <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> That's the best <laughs> for Craig for. Oh, are you bastard? <laughs> Another great audio episode, by the way. Could you understand what he said? He's the best. That's funny. That is funny. Yeah, you got to be careful when you're giving three people compliments. You better make yeah. sure you have something going on. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> what do you think, Mareko? Go ahead. Take it away. Uh, is it easier to forge, forge weld? And yes, it. Uh, so it's not necessarily easier to forge weld. I've actually had a lot of issues. I think it's just lack of practice. Uh, forge welding angled tiles. Um and which is part of the reason I started doing straight cut tiles because basically if you cut, so say you have, you know, a a three quarter inch by inch and a half wide mosaic bar, that's whatever, you know, 12 inches long. And you, but you only need like maybe five tiles off of that, that are about seven eighths of an inch. So you just restack those. I I've started restacking those. Like it's a, a micro billet. Like I'm doing, instead of doing a normal restack, like if you're trying to take a 20 layer billet, chop it up into five or six pieces and then restack it to take it to, you know, 125 layers. Um, it's the same thing except for it's just, you know, it's, it's not as deep, right? It's just a, a little, I, like I said, I, I call them little, 
micro billets. And so I do my same, the same way I do go through my welding process for those other uh, earlier rounds of welding. I do that for these micro billets. But then at a certain point when I feel comfortable with it, I then start stretching it back out and elongating it and basically forge it into a bar that then I can forge a knife out of. Um, so so his other part of his question is, but uh, because you're cutting the tiles at an angle, isn't that kind of, you know, the, instead of the, 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 the image or whatever your pattern is passing straight through from side to side, it actually passes at an angle. So when you flip the bit blade over, it doesn't necessarily match exactly. And that is something that happens. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing or not. Um, that's, I think that's more personal preference. I, I do, I have found though that, um, with, <clears throat> excuse me, with angled tiles, it's challenging to forge close to dimension because, um, with those angles tiles, what happens is as they start to elongate and stretch those layers that are passing through them start running parallel with the faces of the blade. And it's easier to distort them as if they were random layers rather than if those layers passed straight through at a 90 degree angle. It's, it's when they pass through at a 90 degree angle, you can forge really close to dimension with little distortion because they're just passing straight through um, versus running kind of down the length of the blade. And as those tiles elongate in a way, I don't know if that, any of that I makes agree. sense. I agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you little bastard. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Crunch, drink crunch, some more crunch, beer yeah. and eat some more chips. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, I would think. I it, mean, I, I've never done yeah, it. But I would ahead. imagine that when at an angle, you're getting more surface area to actually be able to forge down, right? Because you can you, you can't butt them up against it, bump it, butt them up against each other. They're flat, and expect to get a good well, right? Of course you can. And, and, hit them, and hitting them flat. Yeah. All right. There you go. So every time, so so what's the benefit? Feather billet. So think. What do you mean? Was I mean? The, I would thought. I always thought it was because if it was at an angle. When you're putting it under a hammer, you're getting more force oh. to the joint. You're talking about so it's like a lap weld, right? Right. So that was the that's the original idea. Okay. Um, but I mean, if you look at any feather pattern, right? So what that is is that's that's layers stacked up and then hot uh, welded compressed and welded to a certain point and then it's hot cut and then welded back together but all of those welds in a feather they're all straight welds and you see bowies all all kinds of knives and stuff made out of those tile tile billets and that's when i realized oh you don't necessarily have to cut the tiles at an angle you can cut them straight and they'll still weld up and the reality is they're they're either stuck or they're not and i've done plenty of destruction testing on my knives and i know that those welds are very solid and very strong so there you go if you're if you feel concerned about doing a straight weld and then I would suggest, you know, get, do a few rounds, do some destruction testing so that you have confidence in that process and that approach. Any confidence um, in your cut. <laughs> you can't get that good 45 yeah. degrees. Then, you know, boom. Yeah. All right. This next one is from Brendan Murin. He says, building a press. Any tips on uh, dyes I might need? to weld up to create my first sand mine. Also, Craig is right about the bolognese. Uh -oh. no. Now, this is funny because this goes back to the 
the Steve Schwartzer comment. He he wasn't asking Craig about the fucking dies for the press. He wanted to say, "Oh, and Craig's right about the bolognese." Well, am I just a producer? Or something here? Am I, am I just here to, to you, do the dials and play the jingles? You fucking brought it up. You fucking brought it up. He said, "You said Steve Schwartzer said, Ed, yeah, thanks, Craig." And this guy's just like, "Hey guys, how do you do the uh, how do you do the the the, the, the forging press?" And oh, by the way, Craig is right about the bolognese. <laughs> I'm only here for the bolognese uh, questions. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Morocco. <laughs> <what we've> got... <laughs> uh, Are these leftover Damascus questions from last week? Uh, some of them might be. Some of them, yeah. Okay. There's some. I, I just, I just use flat dies. Uh, you know, flat dies will do the trick. Uh, you know, people like uh, Greg Sims. He uses a uh, rolling mill. Now that's a very specialized and expensive machine, but that is a great way to make sanmai. Um, they're also. Uh, smaller versions like a, a mcdonald rolling mill that you could build yourself uh for a relatively inexpensive yeah, that will also he's building great for us you don't want to hear about the rolling mill he, he's building his, press. <laughs> build his press in conjunction with the rolling mill uh, or the rolling mill in conjunction with the press anyways yeah so i would just but i just use flat dies i i would be concerned about using drawing dies for uh welding sandmine because you know, you're putting a lot of force in just one small area versus the force over a larger area, which is you, you, you want the pieces to stick together. I think that you realistically want more force over a larger area to create those those more solid bonds. So that would mm -hmm. be my advice. Flat, mm -hmm. flat ties. Here's a good one for Craig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you guys think is the most overlooked process by any new makers, either hobbyist or full time? What do you think, guys? Mm. I, I see very little of other people's work personally um, because, you know, I don't go to, you know, Blade Show and all these kind of things. Um, so I see very little of other people's work apart from what I see online and their Instagrams and so on. Um, and I'd say I wouldn't so much say a process, but I'd say just everything looks way thicker than it should be um, for newer makers. I think it needs to be, you know, so much, so much that goes thin and thin, thin, thin as you can, particularly for culinary knives. See lots of new makers making chef knives, and I look at it thinking, geez, that, that you know, that's, you know, that's sort of cleaver territory, you know, but, but, but taking it down to a flat grind. Hmm. Um, I think, yeah, just a lot, a lot thinner. Um, and with regards to, to, to processes, little things like, you know, tidying up the spine and the underside of the handle, you know, the steel on the underside of the handle. Um, making sure that's nicely polished and things. You don't see that too often with new makers either. It's just these little things that will, that will you know, make the knife, you know, complete um, and, you know, sing a little bit better. But um, it mainly is the, all down to the thickness. Um, and I, I'm like, I get it completely because if you're just starting out, you know, taking things really, really thin can be quite scary. Um, but, yeah, I think that's what sets aside a more experienced maker to um, the newer makers and what we're seeing people's, you know, the people's first, you know, few dozen knives, they'll be a com they'll come to a point where they'll think, oh, geez, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I can get this thinner, and then you know they'll find it'll cut so so much better. Yeah, I think that's great. See, Marekko agrees. With I me. agree with you. Yeah, I agree 100%. with you one hundred percent. I think the most <laughs> overlooked thing that most young knife makers think is that they're artists. Mm. I think I think that they need to like be a little bit more organized with their thought and not be so willy nilly. I think you need to, if you're going to make knives as a business, I think you have to think of it like a business. If you're going to make knives like very artistic stuff, then that's a different story. I think that being organized is way 
underlooked, being organized not only with your thinking, but organized with your technique and figuring out ways to be more efficient and to take some of the passion out of it in order for you to be successful. Now, if you just want to fool around, you just want to just make knives just to make knives, fucking go at it. You know, fool around and have a good time. But like people, I, we just get a lot of people who want to like, you know, transition. And, and I think that there's a little bit too much of this idea that creativity is what's going to drive your business. And that's not necessarily the case. Mm. I think that's perfect. Wow. Perfect. Holy mackerel. <laughs> Holy mackerel. That's outstanding. Okay. Meek Knives uh, says, now that I have my even heat kiln, good choice. Um, alumini aluminium. See, aluminium, not aluminum. Fine. Aluminium. Quench plates um, and some stainless foil. I can start doing stainless blades. I remember you all talking a little bit about uh, about this a couple of episodes ago, but please remind me: Did Craig say say that he keeps his quench plates in a refrigerator, or am I just making this up out of thin air? And as far as using compressed air to aid in quenching, would I have to have a compressor going full blast? Oh, jeez, I can see exactly what he's doing here: full blast. He's putting big capital letters. Right. Or would something like a can of compressed air have the necessary pressure to get the job done? Keep up the good work. Y'all, and thanks again for the great wealth of knowledge that you two provide. <laughs> <laughs> you added that, you bastard. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, quench. I don't keep um, quench plates in the refrigerator, but if I'm doing a big batch, so I've got I've got like three sets of uh, quench plates. So if I'm doing a big batch, you know, which is over three knives. Once I've used them for quench, I'll then put them in the refrigerator to cool down quicker. So I wouldn't store them in the refrigerator. They're only going to come back down to sort of room temperature. Um, and, and that works pretty quick because aluminium, you know, the, it just cools very, very quickly when, when refrigerated. So, yeah, I wouldn't store them in there. But once I've quenched, put them in there for 10 minutes whilst I'm doing the others and I've got a bunch of others to use and, you, you know, cycle like them in a There's in an a, rotation. In a exactly, yes, yeah, yeah. That's definitely important because if you're doing a pile of them, you know, your third batch is still warm. I, I usually I used mm. to when I was doing a pile of them I would do I'd, I'd make sure I had enough plates that I could do a few of them and then if one of them was too hot I'd kind of dump them in the quench bucket just to kind of cool them down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah, you know. Um, I, also asking about oh, oh sorry, Marek, I've got anything to add about. I was that. just gonna say I feel like I've said this before, but I'm surprised. So one thing I've seen uh, with especially at like uh, like food and wine things is someone will have a cooler set up with an aluminum plate in there where where the beer flows through and then it's full mm. of ice and the ice is keeping the keeping the aluminum full i wonder if you could run ice water through it to help keep the aluminum cool as you're doing multiple plate quenches uh, like a plate chiller yeah yeah i don't know how that would work out necessarily like work. but i mean you can buy them <laughs> i don't know like that yeah, anyway yeah, yeah yeah um you don't have to do any of the milling or any of the work yourself but um yeah that's that's all i had about the i wonder plates. i wonder if you you probably i don't know and this is something i have no idea but i would think that you would probably want your aluminum at room temperature like i would think that if they were too cold that might not be good either i don't know mm, possibly I have no idea yeah Possibly. Well, I mean, I'm, maybe you don't necessarily run ice water through it. You just run cold water through it just to bring just, them back you know, down. Take a leak on yeah. it once in a while. You know, just kind of. Yeah. But I think the difference in the between yeah, a, in the you know, a super cold <laughs> plate and a room temperature plate, I think that difference would be negated in, you know, split right. second. 
Mm. You know, so yeah, who knows? But yeah, I don't store them in the refrigerator or anywhere. I just get them back down to room temperature. Hey, Amy, move! You got to move the food out of the way. I got to put my, I got to put my plates in the refrigerator. What are these for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he also mentions uh, compressed air um, and asking, um, would would a can of compressed air have the necessary pressure to get the job done? Um, uh, I mean, all you're using the, the compressed air for is to, is to move the, the, the you know the hot air around around the knife. It's not necessarily cooling the plates. It's just it's right. just that dissipated heat. You're just getting rid of that as quick as possible. So I'm sure it would work. Um, but I mean, compressors are cheap. You can get compressors, dirt, yeah. dirt, especially like secondhand. I'm sure you can get them for free if you look, you know, on you know Facebook Marketplace or wherever you you, you buy your secondhand stuff. I'm I'm sure you could. Because even new, they can be super, super cheap. I definitely yeah. play quenched, and my I did I forgot to turn my compressor on, and I was fucking frantic because it was like it was mm. not charging fast enough to give me an, any air. So I always have the compressor going, and I just kind of I also drain the compressor out every so often to make sure there's no water in it, and because uh, I'm always mm. afraid that something's gonna happen and the compressor's gonna fail, and I'm gonna like something's gonna happen during the during the quench play quench. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, as, as I said, that that compressed air isn't there to cool the plates. It's just to remove right. that 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 hot air coming off. So, yeah, cans would do the job. I'm sure. I'm sure. There you are. Next one comes from Christopher Ogre. Hey guys, greetings from Norway. Question: What have I been doing wrong? Well, listening to this podcast, that's one thing. Um, been making <laughs> knives for seven years now. I'm getting positive feedback on all my stuff. All happy customers and some returning customers. I keep posting on social media, I stay active, and I'm trying to build a brand. But it seems like there are constantly new makers that sell more than I do. Have Don't believe them. <laughs> yeah, have more customers and more of a following than me. Although I feel like what I make is better in terms of quality and performance and price. What am I doing wrong? I've been listening to all the advice on how to start, but it doesn't seem to be working the way it should. I'm not sure where I am going. Hmm. Christopher Ogre, mm. he's in a mm. dilemma. Yeah. First of all, I'd say don't necessarily believe what other people are telling you or, or you know, or what you see online. You know, it's that whole thing we've talked about before. You know, it's it's someone else's highlight reel that you're seeing. You're not seeing their, their day-to-day struggle too. And a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, myself included, will, will, you know, try to put out positive messages as opposed to, oh, I've had a really shitty month. Um, so yeah, don't let that get to you. But I mean, if it, it could well be down to, you know, your locality, maybe, maybe people around you aren't, you know, maybe it's not a, like a knife area. People aren't, you know, into knives or whatever. I don't know how much of your work is sold online as compared to locally. I don't know. But, um, yeah, don't let others, let other, uh, you know, other people's feeds, um, dictate, you know, what you're doing or, you know, tell you that you're doing things wrong because, you know, <laughs> what you see isn't necessarily a good representation of, of, of what they do. I'm looking at his knives right now and they're great knives. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if it's, if it's, I mean, I don't make a lot of EDC knives because I don't get a lot of call for it. Like the people that I'm marketing to are cooks, are home cooks, 
um, and I make a lot of chef knives. Uh, the majority of what mm -hmm. I make is chef knives. When I started to do oyster knives, I, at, at first, I told my business partner, Tony, and I, he wanted me to make oyster knives. I'm like, why? You can open up an oyster knife with a fucking screwdriver. He's like, I'm telling you, people want oyster knives. And I'm, sh I'm stunned at how many people want oyster knives. I think you need to look at, um, I think it's, you should be focusing on the market, the marketplace, and where you want to be going. You might not want to change. You know, you might want to change. Um, I'm just, I just got a couple knives on the way from my friend Reed Schwartz. He makes spoon carving knives. And if I was talking to somebody, I was like, I'm getting these spoon carving knives. I'm super pumped. And somebody said to me, a lot of people do spoon carving. You know, so there are a lot of like niche things, you know, and I think that it's trying to, yeah, I said, yes, of course, all, tons of people do it. And he does really, do really nice job. And I want his knives. I think that a lot of it is focusing on what you want to do and where you want to go and what best suits the customers that you're getting. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it's also like I, I can imagine for some people it's like a make or break situation. Like, you know, I've been doing it seven years and someone's saying to me, you better wrap it up, <laughs> you know, get back to the, get back your office job, you know, because if it's not working, you have to figure out what's not working and then you're going to, replace it yeah. you know it's yeah. tough man i mean i mean like now i i think you know majority of my work has been restaurants and i can foresee that the next you know the foreseeable future that's that's going to slow down dramatically what it already has um so i think you know i'm i'm starting to go back to doing a bit more sort of one-to-one -one work right. of more more custom one-to-one -one jobs um, so I think you know it's having to it's having to sort of roll with the punches a bit, and and the good thing is you know you're not a huge none of us are none of us are huge huge companies that invested millions in tooling. We can we can we can change things quickly and we're really responsive to the market. So I think you know if if your if your customer isn't out there, maybe look for you know a different customer right. maybe. That that comes well, from Mister 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 Doctor Laser. Doctor Laser just said no one's Dr. investing Lasers. millions in them. you know lasers. Um, lasers. I would uh, something else. I mean, I I think what both of you guys have said is perfect. I think something else I've seen other makers do is kind of do collaboration work because it sounds like he's really concerned with people being aware of him and and the work that he's doing. As as Jeff said, I can't seem to find him on Instagram. But anyways, it sounds like he's doing good work. So. Something he could potentially do, which I've seen other people do in the past, is collaborate with another maker that, and just kind of, it, it, that could help create more awareness about who you are and what you do. Um, or like Jeff does collaborations with chefs, you could do collaborations with, if he's doing EDCs with people who do bushcrafting or, or, or whatever, um, you know, that could help bring more awareness to your company and your knife styles um, that you're doing. Um, yeah. And also, I think that when you use social media, I think you should make it seem as though you're actually selling them. Like there's, I see he does a lot of beautiful, uh, in progress pictures and stuff, and he's he's just mm. he's making he's trying to make it happen. I try to make my pictures look like they are for sale. So I think that I think that it's important to you know obviously we talk about the highlight reel. A highlight reel is what people sometimes what people want to see. You know, I think that it's good to be able to, I mean, I don't know who you're telling, you know, you know, I stubbed my toe yesterday <laughs> and I'm voting for mm -hmm. whoever. I don't know. Who, I don't know if that matters in terms of somebody who's looking for something to buy. 
You know, it's a tough question because it's ultimately it's a personal decision. You know, it's like what it's mm. like a lot of times like now there's a lot of knife makers and hammer makers and blacksmiths who are very, very they're using their their Instagram and social media for a political uh, position. That's, you know, that people are just like, well, I don't want I'm not, this isn't for me. You know, this person is, you know, for me or whatever. And that's a decision you make, too. You know, so I, I, I get very like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, honestly. I'm kind of like out of words. <laughs> like the yeah, disgust. It is a I like the disgust sound. I hope you. I hope you play that a little bit louder. In the... I was hoping you're gonna have a, a funny story there. Jack. You little four-eyed <laughs> bastard. I thought you'd go in you somewhere. I thought you. I thought we've got something. Yeah. Up your ass. He's got something. Fucking. <laughs> I tell you what. Let, let's take a little break. Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! Do it now. 15% off anything at Combat Abrasives. It's the abrasives that I use, Jeff uses, Mareko uses, everybody uses Combat Abrasives. So go take a look. CombatAbrasives.com and use KNIFETALK15 for 15% off. P.S. Okay. My, my barn burner of a joke was not going to be a barn burner. My, my funny story was definitely under that pressure. It would, could only have failed. It could only have failed. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I took no, you no, off no, your you stride. Hit me, you I hit me sorry. perfect. No, it was perfect right between the eyes. It was, it was all about how I pronounced the word croissant. You want me to tell the story? I might as well. I mean, like, can't radio time. I'm in now. So, in in New York, there's a there's a famous chef, French chef. His name is Dominique Anzel. He's known for creating the cronut, which is half croissant Mm. and half donut. I went to culinary school, and my teacher was like, "You don't fucking call it a crescent roll. You don't call it a croissant roll. You call it croissant." So I would always say croissant. I just my dad said it. That's the way we said it. It turns out this bullshit Dunkin' Donuts in our neighborhood was selling their version of this cronut or knockoff cronut so i walked in with my daughter who was very young it's a few years ago and i said to the kid behind the desk do you have that new cronut and he said what are you talking about i said well, you have it on the sign it's the cronut it's that cronut and he goes well, what do you what's a cronut and i said you know it's like half donut half croissant and he goes excuse me and i said half donut <laughs> half croissant and he started laughing at me because I said croissant. <laughs> a what? A what? I said a fucking croissant, you little four-eyed bastard. I'm telling you. And he just, he, it was so humiliating. He was just like this kid behind the desk. He's just like, clearly, he's not meant for work. You know, it's a, but he's laughing at the way I said croissant. So well, how would he, what would you call it? Like anybody People else? call it a crescent or a, a croissant. Oh. A croissant. Do you say a croissant? It seems like it's harder to say that than croissant. Yes. It's just like yeah. croissant. That's it. Done. Easier yeah. to say. But I get my balls broken because I say it. I'm very, you know, it makes me sound like I'm, you know, hoity-toity. People make me sick. I say it right. <laughs> no, you do. You do. You Fucking do say this it right. yeah, goddamn yeah. little acne-faced prick said it was making fun of me <laughs> behind the fucking donuts. <laughs> Uh, what? Uh, croissant? What the fuck is that? Fuck you, you little really bastard. Croissant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. God damn it. It was embarrassing. It was a little <laughs> it was a little bit of a funny story. It wasn't as a bomb as I thought it was gonna be. Fine. You did well, Jeff. You, you did well. Well done. You did well. <laughs> Next, <laughs> Next one is from Kyoshi. Um Hello, I am very new to forging and I recently started listening to the podcast. What was your favorite exercise to do when you first started forging? 
He's wanted to refine his forging skills before buying expensive steel to make kitchen knives. Also, love the podcast and appreciate you all encouraging new makers like myself. Um, so, yeah, favorite exercises when first starting uh, forging? What have you got? What do you think? No, no. I just, I just forged, and just figured it out as I went along. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, I don't know. I feel like blade steel definitely does not move like other kinds of steel, especially like mild steel. Um, and it could could be kind of helpful in figuring out how to manage and move the material and what's going to happen if you cross peen here, or you hit with the you know, you know with the rounding face there. Um, but otherwise. I don't know. I, I just, I just did it. I, I learned as I went on forging Damascus and, and, you know, I have a lot of mistakes laying around, but I've learned, I learned some good shit from them. I feel like, but what about you, Jeff? I think simple stuff. Like I think bottle openers are, I think is one of the best exercises you can do because it's a lot of it. Isn't just the actual forging. It's the, the physicality of being able to do it for a while. Sure. You know, so yeah. I think that, you know, small things, I think tongs are the best uh, exercise that you actually need tongs. So forging out tongs is the best exercise for, cause I see it more like uh, exercise. Like I used to, when I was at uh, wherever, I used to think about it like training it for as an athlete. So I used to be very, you know, trying to stay in shape and trying to, um, be, you know, be able to go for a longer period of time. So forging tongs, I think, is one of the best ways to, you know, hammer control and being, you know, clean and systematic and, you know, organizing your thoughts. I think they're, I think tongs, bottle openers are both excellent um, exercises that you need, you know. Can't open a beer with your teeth, right? Or maybe some of you can. Yep. Some of you, can. Some of you <laughs> Vikings can. You can I, do it. You I ever do that? To- yeah, I used to do it a lot, actually. So, so, so you never pulled a tooth out? Nope. I had a friend who used to do two. He used to put one on one side, look like a look like a warthog. He put him on, he <laughs> knocked both of them up at the same time. Stupid! All I can think of is move. Dummy your teeth. I had to go to. Yeah, I broke a I don't tooth do it eating, anymore. A, eating a piece of fucking hummus, and this motherfucker's opening, <laughs> opening up beer bottles with his teeth. It's true. It's a true story. I was eating fucking chips and hummus. I was like, Hillary, I think my fucking tooth broke. She's like, you were just eating hummus. What the fuck's the matter with you? Like, oh, more calcium God, in your diet. Broke my fucking tooth. That's a fucking hummus. What the hell did you put Jesus. in the hummus? I, I got the image when you were talking about training like an athlete. I got the like, dun, 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 yeah, dun, like, like playing in the background of you hammering well, steel and sparks flying. And I tell you what is I didn't eat the way I used to when I had a shop. I didn't eat burritos all the time and like cheesesteaks. I had a very like, a lean diet burritos of high cheesesteak. protein and vegetables because I didn't want to feel sleepy when I was done eating. You know, I was mm-hmm. and I was eating. A, I was drinking a pile of water and I was just constantly like. Thinking well, of like it like how many distance runner, right? Well, I mean, you got to think about it like how you're going to last for a while. You know, the funny thing is, is especially with hammers, and I know Craig's, you know, about to eat some chips in a second. I saw some people using, <laughs> I saw, I saw some, I saw some dudes using four pound Alex steel hammers, and mm. these dudes, I was like, they came in there, I looked at them, I was like, uh, he, I had never seen an Alex steel hammer before. It was a four pound hammer, four and a half pound, almost five pound hammer. This thing was huge. And I'm looking yeah. at these guys. I'm like, I cannot believe these guys swing these hammers. So I see the guy, and he starts in, and starts in, and starts in. And within five minutes, he swapped out to a smaller hammer. And I said to him, "Let me see that 
hammer. It was great. It was big. It was a, you know, it was a great hammer. He was not prepared to swing that hammer all day. He couldn't last five minutes. And it got to the point where I was mm. helping him and he was using two hands. I was holding the steel in tongs and he was using both hands to swing this goddamn hammer. So a lot of it's oh, wow. understanding. And, you know, one last thing is I was, just saw, um, um, Alex Pohl did a live stream and he talked about how he uses smaller hammers. He actually uses very small, he used a small hammer that Cliff made up, like a Swedish style hammer. And he says, I like a lighter hammer because it allows me to swing a longer, a longer, longer period of time. So I think that sure. is a very important is to kind of like see yourself as, you know, you're not pushing wood through a fucking table saw. You know, it's like you're, phys mm -hmm. it's very physical. Yeah. So I like, used to forge with a, a five and a half pound yeah. French Crosby. Dude, we all, shook, when you told us that, we all heavy. shook our heads like, oh my, he's crazy. You know, it's yeah. fucking totally bananas. <laughs> both times I, both times I was on Fortune Fire, you know, hour and a half swinging that damn thing. Yeah, they should have paid you. And you're racing. I, I'm so glad that I have the dog, <laughs> uh, dog head hammer that I use now. It's like three pounds, and I can swing longer. I can hit more frequently. I feel like I can actually hit harder, right? Because uh, I can get right. that really, a really good snapping action. Um, yeah. They should have paid it's you. Nice. They should have paid you on Fortune Fire. Yeah. Those fuckers lost out. There you go. Should have paid you. Do you make a deal never to mention them again on the show? I'm by me. I like to. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We don't say anything bad. Do we say anything bad? No. Okay. Thomas Norston asks, uh, Hi, cuties. Thanks for the great show. I'm quite new as a bladesmith, especially on chef knives, and I have two questions regarding the subject of balance. Um, and we've had two other questions here. That, that The same questions, really. So one was from Emil G., um, hey guys, was wondering if you have any tips on how you can make the center line more visible after you scribe it in. Talking about the edge when grinding. So I have no trouble marking the center, but it's really difficult to see it when grinding. I mark it with a sharpie and scribe with a drill bit. And he says thanks. So let, let's take that one first. So, so scribing that center line um, before grinding, you know, towards the edge. Uh, what do you guys do? Hmm. Um, I... Is, is he talking about for finished grinding? Do you think, or I think for grinding, grinding the for primary grinding? How do you? Yeah, primary grinding just to get just to get that balance in straight down the middle. Yeah. Yeah, I used to just I used to use layout die, but now I just use uh, I darken out the edge, um, and then I just use my sharpie, and then I use my height gauge because my my material uh, is flat, and so um, I'll scribe out leaving kind of like a 50,000 to 60,000 area zone in the middle of the, the blade because the blade material is probably around 200,000 thick or so. And so then I, then I hit it at a 45 with a dull belt or a kind of a worn out belt. Um, and I take it to that scribe line on both sides. And then once I've got it down to that scribe line, then I just use uh, probably like a, a worn out 220 or something like that and I just take the dark off the edge and that way the light is reflecting off of that cleaned up edge so I can kind of keep track of things because I used to keep the layout die on there or the or the ink on there and I couldn't see shit uh, and I realized oh why don't I just take the ink off and it will reflect the light back up at me so I can really see what's happening um, and it's actually when I get to my finish grinding I actually kind of do a somewhat similar thing I keep just the slightest uh it's like maybe one or one or two thousands uh, you know i basically grind to a zero grind and then i i gently i i don't even have my machine on 
um, and I'll run the the knife on on an abrasive belt like a 120 or a 220 or something like that, and that will pull the edge back just the slightest bit. But that gives me something visual to look at, um, especially when the edge is facing up, um, that I can kind of use as a guide to where I'm grinding to. Mm. Yeah, very similar with me. I'll use like an like an engineer's die and a gloved finger. And Why then... did you say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> I always, whenever I say gloved finger, I think it's 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 yeah, it's very sexy. Is it? <laughs> you haven't been sexy yet. Sexy and yeah, sexy and I'll just I'll just sort of <laughs> I'll just I'll just sort of smear it down you know down the Ooh, down the edge. And yeah, and I use a um, like a like a depth gauge kind of thing, and and do it, and pretty much like Mareko, you, you know, just yeah. I've never really had any problems seeing it. Um, it always seems to you know glint in the light, so it's easy enough to see. One thing that bugged the shit out of me was when I was using the platen to, um, I was using the platen to fix the the. Uh, the edge before I scribed, I'd put the I'd, I'd go up and down on the belt, so the lines, the grind lines, were going from the heel to the tip, and then I put the sharpie line or whatever the layout die, and then when I scratched in the scribe line, I couldn't see it. I couldn't like it would bite. So then instead of doing it from the tip, the the scratch line on the edge from the heel to the tip, I went sideways, so the the lines on the edge. We're going side to side. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. Because that yeah, way the, yeah. the tip can actually bite. You know, I'm not yeah. just like kind of going into a groove of the uh, the grinder mark. But I do the same thing. I kind of do 45 and then use that as my my center line. I, I mark out my center line with the 45 and then and then uh, blah blah blah. Yeah. And I don't know if I believe in but balance anyway. I'm not 100 percent sure I believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talk- we we talked then about the balance between sort of you know left and right. Um, you know, for the, for you know even cuts, I suppose. Uh, but with regards to balance, I mean, I don't think he's, he's mentioning. I that. thought it was the balance um, of the knife, the handle of the blade. Because you hear uh, that customers say to you all the time, "Oh, I love the balance." I'm just like, "Yeah, hey, what the fuck are you talking about?" You yeah, talking yeah. About. I mean, the, the <laughs> question doesn't around. mention that. The question, <clears throat> question doesn't mention that. But oh. yeah, you're right. That you know, the balance. I think it's it's personal preference. I think it's how you're using the blade, what you're using it for. Um, yeah, I, I think that you know that perfect balance. I don't know if it exists. I mean, yeah. I I just got a knife from uh, our friend uh, Matt Campion. I, I bought one of his knives from Jared Thatcher, a Boot Hill Blades knife, and it's super blade heavy. I fucking love using it. I didn't think mm-hmm. I, I didn't think I would, and I, it's like the it's 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 such an, a joy to use. They're totally different, but it's certainly not balanced. It's certainly more more blade heavy than the handle it's a, wa- a thin wa style handle it's very light in the handle and i i'm surprised that i enjoy it as much as i do i don't think mm. it really makes a difference i think people just say that say things yeah just say things they do yeah. people say things much like my, my dad used to say to me as a kid <laughs> you say things to hear what they sound like coming out of your mouth and they might not necessarily mean anything <laughs> you just want to hear the words come out of your mouth people do that all the time I do yeah. it all the time. I do it on this podcast. And people repeat, repeat things that they hear without thinking, does that really make sense? And before you know it, it's a thing. Yeah. I right. Get you. Oh, I love it when customers use words that they heard. Yeah. And then they use it and they <laughs> use it on you like they think they know. That's my favorite. That happens with cooks all the time. <laughs> but like, you know, I got this knife and, you know, the temper was really good, but I'm not 100% sure. What do you mean the temper was? What, what is that? What, what, what are you talking about? It's like, you know, I like a kind of my, my partial tang knife, and, you know, it's 
I, I think a partial tang is is a better cutting knife. It's like, what? What are you using these fucking <laughs> words? Why are you just slapping them out there hoping I'm going to agree yeah. with you? Oh, yes, a partial tang does cut better. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. I get that shit all the time. I love it. I hate it. I hate it. There was a second part of this question from somebody else, wasn't there? Um, let's have a look. Yes. Um, I'm not sure who this is from. Ah, Stonehouse Forge. Uh, can I ask a question? I'm wondering what is the advantage to tapering the tang of a knife? I hear about it a lot, but don't understand why it's done. Um, and again, it's down to uh, you know the perceived balance. So the the weight you, you're removing weight from the handle uh, by tapering the tang. Um, it can look pretty cool as well if it's done really well. But um, sure. it's basically the same as skeletonizing the handle or you know drawing you know d drilling holes in the handle. It's it's taking weight away from the handle. Yeah. yeah, I still can't figure out how to do it, and I'm not. I'm super not interested either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think that's more an exercise of showing your skill as opposed to improving the knife in my opinion because there's there's better ways to remove who weight who knows they you look know? sharp that's for sure they look great yeah they look right. yeah exactly they look great but it, it i think it it it's not really anything but the performance of the knife because i think there's better ways of removing weight i yeah. was told by yeah. aaron wilburn that when you when you drill i used to drill a pile of holes in the knife like a ton of swiss cheese he mm. says you end up losing st a strength in the knife when you do that. So that's why he d what he does is he will uh, use a contact wheel and grind a groove in the handle. Mm. And then he's creating what he said is kind of like the structure of an I-beam, where you have the webbing in between the top and the bottom of the I-beam, and that gives you the structure that you need and takes the weight out that you need. What yeah. are people doing with chef knives if if the handle isn't that's what I say strong it's not enough. like Jesus that's, that's right. what I say that's what that's that's kind of what I say I mean yeah, it's take it's taking a, uh, a structural element from other knives that are probably much much harder use and need that extra strength um, and employing it in the chef's knife just to kind of to give it to be able to say that you have that rather than it actually playing a role or having yeah. an actual function for that chef's knife. Um, when I worked for Bob Kramer, I actually asked him about the whole tapered tangs thing. And he's, his example was, he, he's like, you know, if you look at the tree, if you look at a tree, um, br the branches, as they leave the trunk of the tree, you know, they start thick at the trunk and they taper out either direction on either side of the trunk. And so it's about a strength and flexibility thing. But again, going back to how hard are you actually using a chef's knife? It's, I don't think it's really very necessary. I, I think if you're going to do it for any reason, it would be more for balance and controlling, like what does the weight feel back, feel like back in the handle versus like, or kind of adjusting that weight. So it's either out in the middle of the blade or out, out at the tort closer towards the tip of the blade um i think that would be more of a reason to do a tape retain did he give opinion. a lot of tree-like advice when you were working for him <laughs> i don't know <laughs> kind of like some yoda like some yoda tree advice <laughs> everything is like can you imagine everything is like an arborist he's he's making all these tree references to everything he does you know when you when you, when you take go to the bathroom you gotta pull out the trunk you know i don't know <laughs> I don't know. I no. just imagine it's like every reference is some sort of tree reference. You know, when you're cutting the twig, you got to, you know, some kind of fucking sage advice. Tree talk. No. Tree talk. No, I think that was the only one, actually. 
Too bad. <laughs> I would have been my bit. I would have been everything is about a tree. I'm giving all these tree tree stories. <laughs> if you think about a tree, I mean, yeah, look I mean, at it. Yeah, yeah, that's your. That could be his whole thing. If you could, if you could figure out how to do these parables, these tree parables to all the life's answers. <laughs> you think about the branches and they kind of taper out. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I love the dissatisfied <laughs> The big uh, We need to step things up Jesus <laughs> I tell you what Jeff tell us about your sandpaper Dude I got a message from Joel Dube And Joel Dube said You know what you should do Actually listen to you guys and buy Rhino it. But seriously, I use one sheet of 120 grit and it just got me through grinding marks of an eight inch shaft knife. I flattened two wooden plane bases and four more blades and it's still cutting. I'm still, I'm out of things to sand. If you, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's like sitting around there with a piece sanding of paper everything. in his hands. And he doesn't know what to do with himself. He's just sanding everything. You know, come on. <laughs> So go get yourself some um, some Rhino Wet Redline from Indos USA. They make the best sandpaper. It's awesome. It, it is. There's not one person who says, eh, it wasn't as good as you said. I haven't gotten that yet. But a lot of people are just like, this is really, really good sandpaper. Better than the stuff you're going to buy in uh, big box stores or whatever. And if you go to Texas Farrier Supply, you go to Texas Farrier Supply and uh, put in knife uh, – Promo code knife talk ten. They give you ten percent off. And I got a message. They're going to be starting to give us more information on. They also make anvils. So they ship them in the United States. They make beautiful anvils. Uh, he's going to write me up a bigger thing in regards to how what he wants me to say. But they have a lot of other things besides sandpaper. They got lots of knife supply. I get my epoxy dye from them. Um, I get all, all sorts of stuff from them. They have obviously they have farrier supply too, but they're doing a lot more knife stuff, scales and pins and hardware and stuff like that. So Texas Farrier Supply put in Knife Talk ten, you get ten percent off, and go get yourself some Rhino Wet uh, in Das USA. Um, and I, you know, funny thing is I, I talk about the 220 all the time. They have a real hard time keeping the 220 in because you guys buy a pile of it. So go get yourself some more. Force them to buy more. Knife Talk ten Texas Farrier Supply in Das USA. Cool. I think next week we may have an extra use for Indasa as well, but we'll talk about that next week. What do you What do you mm. mean? Uh, what do you mean? Uh, we we shall see this, next is this week. A grooming product. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> okay. We next grooming, one. We a grooming, it, we're gonna have a grooming product bit pretty soon, aren't we? We need to talk about this off air first. See, oh. see, see how how far we're willing to go for our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. See, you know, you know, there's an expression called theater of the mind, Craig. Just to let you know, this is radio. Or this is podcasting. This is like you know, some sort of porn chat where we do video girls or something like that. All will be revealed next week. Not hopefully, all. Hopefully, next <laughs> not <week>. all. <laughs> not all. All will not be revealed. Uh, yeah, let's like hope it. not all will be revealed. Thank you very much, uh, Vinston. Um, and most of these people we're mentioning, we're to give them their Instagram um, names, by the way, as well. Vinston on Instagram um, says, Mareko Mamasi has the best voice. Let's be real. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> How do okay. you keep count of all the Damascus layers without forgetting? Jeff. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jeff he asked me. I have it. a shitty voice. He said I got a shitty voice. Yeah, like, he likes that deep baritone. <laughs> Mareko Mamasi. Go ahead. How do you Mareko, Mareko, oh, lean into the mic for us and say, gloved fingers. Oh, 
God, you sons of bitches. I can't handle it anymore. Stop it with the nonsense. Gloved <laughs> finger. Gross. Motherfucker, you're so gross. I'm done. Uh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> this is the end of the And that's a show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, anyway, why do you count? Oh yeah, keep count. Uh, you, you write down what you started with, and then you keep track of how many times you've. So if you start with twenty-five layers in the first stack, you write that down, and then you can kind of just keep a quick tally uh, every round. So say you forge that out into a bar, you cut it into six pieces, you hash out six six strikes, and then you just kind of do the math at the end and you uh, multiply it up. So it's that's it. There's no adding. Like I, re, I, I was got very confused at one point, and I'm not gonna say oh, goodbye. No. But it was like you cut the stack and you put it together. So if it was ten, now it's twenty plus one. Plus one. What do you mean plus one? Where's the one? He's like, no, no, that's when you add. You add one because that counts for the stack. I'm like, wait a second. If you cut two, and you put them together, that's two. You know, you have 10, and then you cut it in half, you put it together, that's 20. And he goes, yeah, plus one. I'm like, what a second. Wait a second. I am super confused. I don't so, know what the plus one is. But okay, good. All yeah, right, good. So, Thank all God. right. So, normally, I take, if I'm going to take a billet up to high layer count, say I'm trying to do take it to like 800, I would start with 25 layers, and then I forge it out, cut that into four pieces. Now I have, or, or maybe even do five. So, I have 125 pieces now at that point because it's five times 25 stack it up weld it up you cut that into five more now you got what is that 750 725 or something like that that's close enough for me that's it three rounds of welding i got 750 or so or 25 or so layers and it's just multiplying math wait that math got me nervous that math got me real nervous because you said wait a second 700 i can't do the math Oh, right. so 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 you forge it and then you add the layers times the amount of times that you cut it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There you go. You do have Seems. a nice voice. <laughs> Thank don't you. Get, don't get fresh though. It's fine. Mm. Don't get stop it with the mm, don't get come on man. Who's <laughs> <laughs> gonna take the next one? The next one okay. comes from Seth Walker. Hey guys, how do you utilize your VFD on your belt grinder for different tasks? What speeds do you use? throughout making a knife uh, for di or for different handle materials and how often do you just go full blast Ugh, again i don't write these fucking questions <laughs> i don't i mean if he happens to say full blast i mean he's mm -hmm. you know saying full blast okay vfds for those who don't know that's the uh variable i think it's variable frequency drive that's um it. i think that's what it's called yeah and that will allow you to dial in the speed that your um that your grinder's running um, so lots of you don't don't have VFD, and I didn't use a VFD for a long, long time, and it and it was fine. Um, but now I've got one. Um, yeah, it's, it makes a huge difference to to what I do. So if it's a a fresh belt um, and something like a you know like a sixty grit, eighty grit, something like that, um, I'll whack it up, um, knowing it's a fresh belt and it's not going to generate too much heat if I'm you know if I'm just go grinding away on you know very sort of rough grinds. Um, when I start sort of dialing things in a bit further and getting to, you know, finishing grinds, I'm generally turning that, you know, down a hell of a lot. Um, just because the, the heat generated and you've obviously got less material as well, um, to, you know, to, to take that heat. 
um, I'll dial it down. Um, I for wo- various woods as well. Um, I'll, I'll dial it right down for um, certain finishing woods and so on. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just really flexible. So yeah, that's that's the way I'd use a VFT. What about you guys? I mean, when I'm doing any of my grinding, I have it going pretty much full on, like one hundred percent. No, it's not definitely not full blast. One hundred percent, you mean? Full, full bore. But then when I'm doing my grinding, like, like Craig said, I, I dial it back. I, I probably have it sitting around 40%, maybe 60 at the max, but 40 seems to be, uh, for me, a good speed to where I'm doing, getting material or wood material, handle materials being cut away at a good speed without it burning the material. Cause that's, that's one of the bigger problems if you got it cranked up too high. Uh, if I'm doing machine sharpening, I usually don't take it higher than 20%, but I'm usually somewhere between 10 to 20%. Um, trying to think what else. Oh, when I'm doing some of my finish grinding, um, I also pull that down to about 20 to 30%, especially when I'm getting close to the edge and I'm rolling that convex into the edge because I don't want it to, one, I don't want it to remove material really fast and I don't want to heat it up and burn it out or burn up that temper. Um, and then I'm trying to think there was one more I can't think of now all of a sudden. Off the top. Oh, when you're using like a, a rotary platen or small contact wheels, the bearings in those things, mm, yeah. you do not want to burn up those bearings and you don't really want to go, you probably want to go maybe 40%, uh, but you, yeah, if you go much higher than that, the, I've, I've had the rubber, I've accidentally like, I, I didn't realize that it was going to be such a problem. And the, the small wheel, the steel, the bearings and the, the heat transferring from the bearings, uh, were melting the rubber contact on my, I think it was like a, a five eights or something like that small contact wheel. And it just started melting and coming apart. And I was like, Holy shit, what's happening? And I was just running it, running it too fast, too fast for those bearings. And so, um, you definitely want to keep the, uh, the speed down for those as well in my experience. I feel like what you get. Jeff? I feel like you just get a little bit. I'm not going to add to what you guys are saying, but I I, I feel like you get a little bit more um, out of the belts um, when you're using a VFD because I have a, just a three speed uh, other grinder, and if I'm on the fastest speed, I feel like the belt loses its juice much earlier um, than mm. if you have you're you're knocking it back a hair on the VFD. I feel like I'm getting more I'm getting more uh, abrasive on the belt. From the VFD, that's just my opinion. I feel like it's a, and I like it on, on the disc grinder too because you can actually it it you can get more uh, when you're just trying to change the scratch pattern. You can get a little bit more um, torque, a little uh, torque. You get a little bit more slower. Torque. You can get a little bit t- torque, a bit torque. <laughs> Maybe you get a little bit more with the grip on the grind. The the the, the this uh, on the like a deeper sand, like a coarser sandpaper. I'm getting a little bit more um, movement. Movement of material. I don't know. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Yep, I'm still here. So ask me if I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> Shall we move on to another section? Maybe. Please, We've hit go. lots of questions today. Shall we? Community Showcase. Okay, it's that bit of the show where we like to give a shout-out to to another maker who maybe doesn't get the attention that they deserve or whether it's something some that we've seen really cool. Um, I'll kick off while you guys get yours ready. And it was and it is... Um, Aaron Iron and Steel. Aaron underscore Iron underscore and underscore Steel. 
Um, basically, he was on the um, the Work For It podcast as a guest, and this guy is 14. He's 14, and he's making knives, which are just 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 incredible already. Um, but if you listen to him speak, you, you'd swear he was way beyond his years. Um, super bright, super intelligent, great attitude. Um, so go, go take a look at um, Aaron underscore iron underscore and, and underscore and steel. Uh, I messed that up. Sorry. Aaron underscore iron underscore and underscore steel. Go take it his look at his work. It's great. Um, and the rumor has it he may be having his own podcast very, very soon, all mm-hmm. about young makers and speaking to lots of other young makers. Cool. Aaron, iron and steel. His name's Kensia. Kensia Aaron, yes, Bottle yeah. Um, 14, wow, 14 and amazing look at this. Look work. At this stuff. Yeah, annoying. incredible. Super incredible. <laughs> annoying, is that what you it said? It is annoying. <laughs> it is annoying. I'm fucking 46. It fucking took me forever to get to this situation. These little bastards. 14, and he's knocking out this good stuff. Good for him. God bless you. <laughs> I'm just a little bit yeah. jealous. Envious. There's there's a picture on his feed, and I think, um, and the podcast I listened to, I think he said he was he was about 10 at the time, and he was three years into making knives at that point. Wow. <laughs> three years? It, three years. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, the talent is, you know, it's it's obvious. So go take a look. Nice. Amazing. I I have uh, Melissa McMinn. She's a, an engraver, actually. She's a, a master engraver. She does all of her engraving by hand. Um, and she does phenomenal work. I've actually turned some makers, uh, her direction who needed some engraving. Um, uh, most notably Peter Swarsbert. He had some engraving on a sword he has had building. Uh, anyways, their collaboration work together was really good, but, um, yeah, I just, I love her, her stuff and she does a really great job. And so you should go check her out. And if you need any engraving work done to embellish your work, she could take care of it for you for sure. Nice. Melissa McMinn. She's Melissa M Studio on Instagram. Cool. Very cool. Well, I'm going to give a little bit of shout out to a friend of mine. Her name is Jessie Ueda. That's I Jessup on Instagram. I was saying her name wrong for a while. It's Ueda. Um, she's great. She's terrific. She's such a fun person to have out in the maker community. Um, she's, uh, I met her. She was, came to my shop with, uh, Alex Pohl and Moonshine Metalworks, uh, and Joe, and it, she's such a nice person. She's out in California. She's a maker, a YouTuber. She's just a great spirit. And, and I'm actually interviewing her tomorrow for the Full Blast podcast, but I just, I enjoy her presence. It's such a positive energy, and she really focuses on, they do, she and her brother, uh, Ben, uh, do a lot of videos where they're showing people how to make stuff with very limited uh, skill, limited material, and, and, and it's just like very tight designs, and it's very, um, it's very approachable stuff, and I think that it's really, really great seeing uh, young ladies like her uh, kind of being out there and being encouraging, and she's just a funny, pretty funny person. I'm really looking forward to talking to her. So Jess, I Jessup, I Jessup, she's great. Cool. Look forward to hearing that. Cool. Okay, I think that's a show. Let's just finish on a bit of sort of positivity as opposed to beefs like we normally do, and talk about what our plans are for the week. Jeff, what you got? I made some kimchi this morning and i'm super pumped to eat it on wednesday i made kimchi and pickles and uh, such a hipster what are you such talking? A hipster. i'll tell you why i made it hipster because it's too hot to cook to make bread it's too hot to cook 
and we're doing all the all the hot stuff we're doing on the grill so i eat a pile of pickles and i thought why don't we make some kimchi and i followed the recipe and i and i made it this morning and the house smelled like feet for a while and fine <laughs> and uh it's funny enough funny enough is i'm supposed to go to a party this afternoon and they asked me they begged me to make paella for this party and i was like jeez oh, I, th- I said i'd do it like a couple weeks ago and it's gonna thunderstorm so i think I'm, so i told them i can't do it so i'm gonna i might i might i might i'm not i'm definitely not making the paella but i might not go to the party i'm looking forward to that <laughs> no i'm just kidding i'm looking forward to this it's a friend of mine's birthday party i'm, I'm super pumped to see him but and be, it'd be weird social distancing and going to a party but we're gonna figure something out mm. yeah yeah what have you got Morocco? I don't get my own harps. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Shit. What's the matter with you, cheapskate? <laughs> We've got a whole band here for you. <laughs> don't don't skimp on his harps, whatever you do. Don't <laughs> skimp on my harps, man. Uh, so I have a couple knives that I'm just trying to finish up, and so I'm looking forward to getting those finished up and sent out this next week. The weather's been really nice here, too, so I look forward to getting some more hang time with my son and the family and going on some walks and getting out and not being in the shop all the time. So, um, yeah, that's what I got to look forward to. What about you, Craigie Poo? Where's your harps, you little bastard? <laughs> people pay for this people want the harps people don't pay for this well they listen they're paying with their time and there energy there he is yeah um i'm hoping for normality again so uh, we've had builders in for so long now um and my workshop has become like a dumping ground for all the building stuff oh, so I'm, i had to get out each morning to buy the builder materials ready for the builder for the following days and so on the dumping ground is is the workshop um, so it's, it's just it is just difficult to work here at the moment, and we still we still haven't had like orders put in months ago. Things coming through to me, you know, with regards to supplies and things like that. Um, so yeah, yeah, everything is just being juggled at the moment with regards to work and you know working in the house and so on. And it's just really really difficult. So I'm hoping for some normality. I'm hoping for things to arrive, um, and I'm hoping yeah I can just get more work done. Um, I. I should be get, getting a bunch of knives out by the end of this week. Um, and I also want to be doing a bit more of the, uh, you know, this idea of the folding knife and the bushcraft knife as well. I need to get my arse in gear because these, these are going to be the next knives. So as soon as these knives ship, these are going to be the next batches. So I need, I need to, I need to, you know, concentrate, find some time to work on these. Um, but yeah, but it's, it's all good. It can't be worse than last week having to drive like 1600 miles in 48 hours. For, it can't be worse. For, whole, so for him to fly back right away. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah yeah there's me rubbing my hands saying i'm gonna work him like a dog yeah. he's gonna have you so got, much work to do and he's like no i've got he's probably lying to me he's probably no i've got to head back they've given my job back oh yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. he's probably lying <laughs> i don't want to work for my brother so when are we gonna hear uh, your podcast oh i was hoping you weren't gonna mention that. Are you hoping i weren't i was hoping you weren't i've got i've got three in the can that are done so one with a guest and and two um uh, one is about mics and one is about using software um, <laughs> it's a lot more work than I thought it was going to be, the makery. So every day I spend probably about two hours uh, getting things ready for the next day. Um, so when things have to give, it's it's my work that's giving, as in my podcast right. that's giving. Um, but, you know, I can schedule it all. I, j- I just need to get my ass in gear and do it, basically. I said, I've got, I've got some in the can, you know, 
they don't really need editing. I'll just get them up. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know, the Makery has, has launched. Um, there's, I think there's seven podcasts at the moment, or possibly eight. Um, we've got a few more coming on within the next couple of weeks. Um, all, you know, podcasts for makers. So if you like this show, I'm pretty sure you'll like the other shows as well. Go take a look at makery.network. And we've got some great people doing great shows. The audio on most of them is far better than ours. <laughs> really is. <laughs> really Get the is. Fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. I hope you do a whole episode on how bad our audio has been in the in the past. You could do like the top ten worst. You could do like a whole clip show. When you can't <laughs> yeah, hear play, fucking... play samples from the shows. Yeah. I was I on my podcast. I was one was so bad a guy yelled at me, and then the last episode of of uh, John Ariani was on. He at fifty second, fifty six minutes into it, he walked away. You can hear him walking away and then getting something and coming back. I, can, I was like, "Fuck! Where the fuck did you go?" I, I heard him. I was like, "Where the fuck did you go?" He's like, "What are you talking about?" I put, I pushed mute. I said, "You certainly did not." I heard you walk away. Oh, were you <laughs> telling one of your funny podcast. stories? <laughs> we very good. Good for you. Look, look, uh, you hit him. You hit one. You a good one. <laughs> that's a show that's definitely a show we're, we're two hours in this this was when, remember when we originally spoke about the three of us doing a show I together God, we were I like, don't know where this two hour business is coming it'll be like yeah it'll be a 30 minute show oh, it won't take too much yeah, about I time that. I remember <laughs> that I don't know two hours I don't know where this fucking two hours bullshit's coming from but giving the people what they want <sighs> I don't think we are <laughs> they love it two hours <laughs> it's perfect yeah. giving you too much anyway anyway we shall speak to you all again next week Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Jeff, what are you doing? I was in chips. He's, I don't have splotched. any chips. <laughs> I was plotching. I was plotching. Splotching. No, splotching. Plotching. I was plotching. Plotching with your fingered glove. <laughs> <laughs> That's a show. Bye. <laughs> if you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.